Live from the Barrage, brought to you by Stony Brook Farms, lacto-ovo, eco-friendly farms. Friday night and we're in fucking Queens. It's Friday night and I'm in fucking Queens. Isn't it about time for somebody's favorite radio program? Live from Mirage. What's up, Queens? What do you say there, bottle load? A bar in a garage. Garage with apple juice and dick in the morning. Mike and Yonkers, what's up, Mike? I'm laughing at you, not with you. Now that's the time. It's Friday night and I'm in Queens. Goddamn right. Thank God. Live from the garage. It's Ronnie Wood from the Rolling Stones. I'm packing my pistol. I do quite well for myself. They call it a barrage. Who is Kareem Abdul Jabbar? Take two of these and Holy shit, Jay! Zoot Zoot Charlie. Rusty Beard. Fucking fireball! Sir. Listen to Live from the Barrage. Don't listen to us. I once farted at the beginning of Master of Pups. Yo, Kev! Oh, only come out at night. Time to six. Go punks yourself. My oozy of ooze. Nobody wants yeah. anything to ooze. You can tell by the way that I wear my pants. Uh, Saturday Night Fever. man, no time to practice. Let's do the news. That's the news. And that's the news. <laughs> You wrong Tron, bro. Correct <laughs> Tron, bro. Oh. The Ryan game. Let's move on with the game. Thunderbolt. Tilda Swinton, Dan. It's all dead. My drawings. Yeah. 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 Thank you, Tree. Thank you, Tree, and his tremendous show, Preemptive Strike, which you can hear every week on Friday night, right before my show, our show. Well, it's my show now because, uh, you know, much like. Uh, a hermit, much like Christopher Knight, uh, disappearing into the woods. Um, there's no heat, running water. There's no fire in here. I pee in a bucket. Stuck out here in all seasons. And w- again, with no one to talk to. So uh, I feel like a hermit myself, to be honest with you. Thank you. <laughs> Hello, everyone. <laughs> and thank you, Tree, for that uh, tremendous new intro. Tree's always uh, constantly working on the intro and honing it. I appreciate that. You're listening to Live from the Broad here on Radio Nope. My name is John Houlihan, and uh, thanks for tuning in. And about the 9 o'clock hour, we have a very special guest, author Michael, F- Michael Finkel, who's written this book called The Stranger in the Woods. The Stranger in the Woods. It's a book about a man named Christopher Knight who uh, just one day walked into the woods of Maine and that's it, never came out. Well, he eventually did come out, but he spent 27 years in there all by himself. He said a total of one word to one person. Hi. And he saw a hiker. And uh, it's a tremendous book. I'm in the throes of it. It's amazing. It's available available on the Albert Cop and the... Uh, Random House, wherever fine books are sold. And uh, I recommend picking it up. Highly recommend. I love all that shit, hiding in the woods. Everyone, you know, I, I think everyone wants to get away. Sometimes. Most of the time. Just what would it be like to just throw your keys on the center console and walk into the woods? And forget it all. That's it. Done. Nobody ever hears from you again. Fantastic. Also, there are plenty of other moral and ethical implications that come with that, which we will get into with the author when he calls in, I hope. So this should be fun. Michael's written for Rolling Stone, Esquire, the list goes on and on. 
and uh, he's written a couple other books. He's got an interesting story, too, personally, but we'll get into it in the interview. It's fun. Pat has called me, uh, texted me saying he can't make it like 10 minutes ago. So there'll be no Pat Walsh tonight. He's doing. He's out there in the woods, uh, not bothering people. Ryan should be here any minute, and you know Tommy and and Mario. Who knows the the, the late guys? So I don't know. Why am I even doing the show? I, I wondered to my. He wondered aloud. <sighs> Thank you. Hopefully Michael doesn't listen to the first hour, and uh, and decide not to call in. <laughs> I wonder if he feels an obligation, like uh, as a a journalist who was, um, you know, not picked by uh, Christopher to write a story, but kind of like, uh, you know, he was the only guy that the dude got back to. So I wonder if he feels like an obligation to call into like, a, you know, these kind of shows because he doesn't want to be that guy. I don't know. I'll ask him. I'll ask him all these things. If I had someone to talk to, I could ask them questions too. But I'm here all by myself, much like a hermit. So it's a fun time. Say hello, everyone, in the chat box. Uh, it is cold out here. It got chilly. So, uh, Sting Zugas, Tree, Carl and Reed, of course. Uh, we got your Rando, Rando S. Murphy. And uh, <laughs> Jose, uh, Jose G., we call him. I'm going to butcher his name, too. So thank you, everyone. Hello, and welcome back to Live from the Broad, which you could hear on Radio Nope every Friday night at 8 p.m. Thank you. So uh, all these notes I have about the book and... Things like that are going to have to wait till 9 o'clock. Let's take a break, and we'll be back after this. Thank you. Melinda was mine till the time that I found her. Holding Jim. Yeah, please don't send the cops here. I'm fine. How much show is left? do the show by myself i can't do it i have no one to talk to i wouldn't last two seconds out there in those woods nobody to talk to i do like silence though and i am annoyed by people talking but then uh when there's no one to talk to it's it's hard call in 718-577-2716 and save the show at nine o'clock hour of course we're gonna have author michael finkel and author of uh, the book called the stranger in the woods Available in fine bookstores everywhere. Uh, Risk Reward played a show last night. We had fun at a place called Bar Matchless. I saw a lot of the scene scene unifiers down there. We had, uh, you know, your Stephen McCall, your Ben Abrahams, people like that. Everyone showing up. Fun times. Good place. Thank you to uh, Sean from Grand Victory, baby Sean. Uh, formerly of Grand Victory, who put that show on. We had good times. The other bands were named Repellent and something else, and uh, they were all good. Thank you. They were fantastic. I took the day off. I felt so sick. I can't. I'm burning the candle at both, end, both ends here. I'm trying to read a book and practice and play shows and do the radio show and get the podcast up. Still have time to talk to my kids for five minutes, sleep, go to work. It's all coming down on me hard. The whole thing's collapsing. It's horrible. The world is caving in on me is what I'm saying here. And if there was if Ryan was here, I probably wouldn't be so forthcoming with you. But I gotta admit it's all uh it's all it's all coming down on me. Thank you. <laughs> Mike you, call you're on the air. Uh hi, is this John Hohan? Yes, it is. 
Oh, hi. This is Greg Pym. Hi, Greg. From I'm uh, no, no longer from uh, Queens. Yeah. I was just wondering, um, do you have any advice for someone that's moved out of Queens to a uh, different area right. of New York City? And, and undis- oh, no, well, I guess it's not even New York City. No, it's but it's you know it's kind of that area in between. Like it's not really upstate, but it's not really. Is it really John Hulahan? Yeah, that's correct. <laughs> yes. <laughs> you don't sound like yourself. Oh yeah. You don't sound like Radio John Hulahan. Oh, uh, sorry, Greg. Oh, that's way better. Uh, yeah, we're on the phone with now Greg from Westchester County. Uh, no, he's calling it. <laughs> oh, uh, that's hard. Um, so Greg has moved out of New York City and uh, up to an undisclosed location, much like a. Uh, a hermit would do. Yes. Yeah. It's uh, Town. Really I don't have Barrytown. any. I don't have any advice. Are you, are you bored? No, no, not at all. I'm listening to live from the. Bar- well, I, <laughs> I was bored just now. That's why. I called <laughs> you weren't bored before you tuned in, but you know you were yeah. fine. Right. Okay. You're not bored I of the neighborhood. You know, to my my um, image of Tarrytown is like uh, is is a very narrow one that I used to go up there with yeah. my dad, and uh, he had like a. A construction. Wait, give me one second. I'm trying to put you on speaker. I was going to try to put you on speaker. Oh, I could not. But, uh, I, I gotta give my you wife one... and child can hear you. I got to give you one second now. Sure, go ahead. Uh, <laughs> all right, are you ready? <laughs> yes. All right. Um, and it was just like a you know like um corporate offices and a TGI Fridays in the parking lot and stuff. That's all I could really oh, remember that, about. It. That's your only uh, memory of of Tarrytown. Yeah. What's it like up there? It's all suburban and uh, oh, it's. Quaint. Well, it's funny because I've never seen a TGI Friday, so I don't know. You might have been in a different town. No, it was definitely Tarrytown. It's, <laughs> it's probably gone by now. It was 25 years ago. Uh, uh, well, yeah, if it was 25 years ago, you, you might be right. So do you, you don't miss the hustle and bustle of Brooklyn and uh, Astoria and the beeping cars oh. and all this and the noises, the environmental noise that, noises that one might say would annoy, I don't know, a hermit who lives <laughs> in the woods? <laughs> A solitary man. A solitary um, man. <laughs> I, I I didn't get that joke until the very last uh, verse of the song. Um, the uh, no, I, I we have like uh, groundhogs up here and deer <laughs> and uh, <laughs> so, so, uh, woodpeckers. Woodpeckers, yeah. crazy shit that you don't see on, the, on a daily basis. Right. You know, I have. I we we started getting woodpeckers around here. Believe it or not, woodpeckers in Queens. Right? It's a it, they're real. Just lost three listeners. <laughs> By the way, that listener count thing's total bullshit. <laughs> Anyone's looking at that? It's broken. Yeah, uh, that's my. Can you, can you hear my son? That's my second part of the question. The first yeah. part of the question was: was Do you have any advice for a um, person that just moved out of Queens? The second part of it was: Do you have any advice for a new dad? Oh, for a new dad, man. Yeah. Newish dad. I yeah. mean, he's one eighteen months. You know, I mean, yeah. I've an, some... an old guy who is a newish dad. Right. No, I mean, you know, I've been a dad for a while, so uh, I could. T- uh, it's, yeah. been, it's been a while since I've had a small child. Yeah. I can tell you this: you just got to dive in head first, even if you don't know anything. Because yeah. I mean, you know, if you start, what happens is if you don't feed the baby or don't take care of it, it dies. <laughs> oh, wait a second. So I mean, if you don't want to like, last sentence if you don't want to murder <laughs> murder a child, okay, and, and or and or go to prison mm-hmm. for that, you probably you, you you'll figure it out. <laughs> None of this is being recorded, right? Right. This is a, this is, there's no record of this conversation. No, okay. there's no record of this conversation whatsoever. <laughs> yeah. Okay, then I uh, my child is lost. I don't know where he is. I haven't seen him. You haven't seen him. 
<laughs> Maybe he went into the woods and, uh, you know, he's never coming back. Much like a hermit. Hermit child. Uh, sorry. Hermit child is my favorite Iron Maiden song. <laughs> so, yeah, I really don't have any advice. I'm pretty bad at it. I don't know. I don't know. No. Yeah. Thank you. You called the wrong Thank fucking you. show. Yeah. Mm. Do you have, do you have a, a number I can call then, maybe? Do you have another show on Radio Notes yes. that deals more with new dad issues? Maybe you can call a tree show and ask him. He seems pretty good at it. He seems to have a handle on it. I don't think it's live, yeah. though. I've, I've, heard, I've heard good uh, uh, bumpers that have to do with, with children. Um, uh, well, I, uh, that's basically all I have. I don't want to take up all your time. I know you're you're very busy over there. Yeah, well, I have a, I have a, you have a lot going on. I have a, I have, an, <laughs> I have a, more bits lined up. Listen, uh, Greg, I have an I have an expert lined up for you on uh, child rearing. Here he is. He who, wants is to... who is this, Greg? Yeah, Craig Gregory Prim. Yes. Oh, that guy. Hey, how that, are you? Is that Scrabble expert Ryan Collison? Listen, I don't you... know who this guy just showed up. I'm sitting here in my camp all by myself trying Listen, to enjoy married, the silence. Right? You married? Yeah, I'm, I'm married. Don't yep. worry about yeah. it. She'll take care of everything. What are you worried about? Oh. Come on. Oh. <laughs> Wait, is that what the deal is? Yes. I work and she takes just care of Just tell her time. you're really busy at work and just don't she come just home almost until like in the eye with chopsticks. 10 o'clock. <laughs> does, does, uh, she's not, e- does, yeah, she's not even know, Asian. Your wife uh, moved here from Russia and it does... Does she laugh mm-hmm. at you that you needed you need adju- an adjustment period for moving to New York City to Tarrytown? And meanwhile, she's right. moved here from like <laughs> Moscow. <you know? laughs> that's that's very funny. I'm gonna, I'm going to reiterate that so she can hear it. Yeah, she he, said, do, uh, John O'Hullahan just said, "Do I need? Do you laugh at me for needing an adjustment period from moving from Queens to Tarrytown?" <laughs> From moving from Russia to, um, she said she's fine. I mean, the fact that she gets four square meals a day here, and um, no, there's no lines to wait on, and um, no we bread, had bread lines, quote unquote. Right. Well, will you be loosening her chains uh, tonight so she could, uh, you know, get a little farther away from the radiator? Uh, no, no, no. I mean, I mean, I, well, I mean, all she does is really, she really just sits on a phone all day and like listens to the codes coming in and like changes oh, them a little bit and right. sends them back out. Oh, oh. Yeah, that's weird. I wouldn't ask her any right, questions. She answers about. all the clicks. <laughs> I mean, it's, 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 it's I don't know. I, it's kind of a hobby. She said, I don't, I, I was asking her about it. I was, right. I know what, <laughs> what is she targeting? The tap and Z? <laughs> I don't know. Something. So there's something big, something big's coming, Z. isn't it? Something big's eat. coming. I wish, her, is her friend? I don't know. I wish these terrorists would go just blow up. The, wouldn't it be cool if they went and blew up the Kosciuszko Bridge like be, right before it's scheduled to be ex- exploded? Right. Be well, awesome. we're, we're, in a similar, we're in a similar boat. Have you seen the tap? I think Ryan said. I can barely hear him. But uh, the tap and is going through a very similar... Uh, oh, that's my son, by the way. He, he, got, he got loose. Yeah. Um, <laughs> he got loose. <laughs> uh, very similar. We're right in the middle of a renovation of the tap and Z now that I'm a local here. Right. We're yeah, no, proud I of see, our tap and Z bridge. Listen, I see it all the time because uh, Colette's big thing is to take the Bronx River Parkways up over the tap and Z, no matter where we're going. That's the pro move right there. Right? It's the pro move to avoid, not, the, avoid the cross Bronx yes. there. And it's cheaper, too. It's not always the most... Oh, my goodness. Yeah. You Uh-oh. hear that? Is the I, child? I is the child okay? Yeah, try try uh, feeding I, I it. Think so. Give it some water or something. <laughs> water? So, yeah, like a bowl on the floor. I mean, fine. there's bowls been empty for a week. The tap and is under construction, and they're building the new bridge right next to the old bridge. There. Yeah, yeah, similar the to the new just bridge, like, just like Brooklyn, <laughs> just like Williamsburg. Same as the, the old bridge. bridge. <laughs> 
The uh, I'll tell you a funny um, fact about the Tappanzi. I don't know if you know this, but um, uh, tell me. You know, this is a, a for the, all the flat earthers out there who listen to the show, and I know there's a lot of you. Um, the the Earth is round, and the Tappanzi Bridge can prove it. Because one of the, I don't know what you call those things, stanchions, there's like two of those things sticking up. Mm. One of them is like millimeters shorter than the other one to compensate for the curvature of the earth. Interesting. Yeah, so if you if, wow. someone, if someone goes, hey. It is hey, a very long bridge. Yeah, somebody it's a huge span. So, if, yeah, somebody figured that out. So if somebody says to you, hey, the earth is flat, you say, listen, dummy, let me take yeah. you a ride over to Tappan Z's. Yeah, I'll in the show car. you. Yeah. I'll show you what's really there, going on. I think they call those spires. Is that right? Yeah, they're supposedly adding a bike lane. That, that would be. Oh uh, yeah, yeah. It's yeah. going. It's going Go over up, to Nyack. It's going up it's quick. Dead. The Tappan Zee uh, is a crossing, by the way, for the audience who's not from New York, that um, connects New York to New York. <laughs> <laughs> it goes over to Hudson. Why did they pick such a wide spot to go over? There's a, if you go up a little higher, the Hudson's like three yeah, feet long. You can throw a rock across. Yeah. Yeah. And don't go so over the, the, the next bridge down is the, the Jeep up. Yep. It was G W and Tappan Zee, right. which you can actually see in the middle of the Tappan Zee. You can see Manhattan. Right. You can. You could see. You could see far on a good day. Forty-five minutes clear. away. It's a beautiful yeah. thing. Yeah. So, what are you? Uh, are, are you traveling? The geography into this? lesson is, is so much better than what we were talking about earlier. Yeah, you're on infrastructure talk here on live from the Broad. Um, <laughs> are you uh, commuting into work? Or are you one of the, now? Everybody works from home. It seems. I assume you're a work from I'm, home. I'm, yes, I'm most mostly a at home worker. I am a remote worker. Yes, I'm, I'm. I'm most likely going to go into the going to the city, as they say, next week. Right. But yes, I'm mostly at home. Um, going into dream. town. You're going into uh, <laughs> going into town. Yeah. So now, but you know, it's it's when you have. Oh, who's, oh it's Tommy here. When you when you're um, when you work at home, you don't have oh. that. You don't have that like escape to get away or something like it. You get, yes. I mean, do you you have to miss that. Even though going to work completely sucks, it doesn't. Your life isn't broken up into those sections, and you're just home all the that time. That is that is the uh, the uh, the flip side. Yes, that's one hundred percent the flip side. So you've got to fill that up with things like going to play poker. Right. Uh, watching tons of porn, uh-huh. uh, getting out of the house, whatever way you can. Right, and but you have not played poker since you've moved up there. By the way, I haven't seen you. But it's yet, only a, it's a thirty-eight minute drive. I mean, it's it's kind of, I've I've literally printed out the map and sitting as a, as a waiting. You know, because at that time of night, it's very easy. To, you start out the night. Why? Greg doesn't know much about computers. He's got all the he's got the MapQuest uh, directions printed out on it from his AOL. Oh yeah, yeah. I st- printed them out. And yeah. you start the no, night down eleven dollars immediately. Yeah, yeah. You got to cross <laughs> the Whitestone Bridge to get here. Right, right. So uh, you know, uh, and Kurzawa Power on the chat box, who I saw last night. Thank you. It's nice to see you, Adam. Um, brought up the the the, uh, the fucking what bridge? What I lost it. No, not the Varanzana. The Willis Avenue Bridge? Ah, what's the Staten Island to Brooklyn? What's that? That's Verrazano. Verrazano. This bridge costs fucking $18 to go across. Are one, you kidding me? One way. I one way, yeah. They're claiming something like that for the for the new Tappan It just I went up a dollar. Like free right now or something. $18? Is it that much? That's fucking It was 17 crazy. I think it's going up to 18 Or maybe it went up to 17 from 16 Jesus that Christ. That is insane. That's a lot of money. I think that's only if you're trying to, go to, to Staten Island. Yeah, well, yeah, they you know you only have to pay. Oh, it's coming back in. You got yeah. Nobody pays to go to, to Staten get Island. Out. It's yeah. free to get out of New York. Yeah, you, you can get go the fuck St- out of here. You can go to Staten Island all you want for free. Yeah. Yeah. Seventeen dollars. <laughs> I'm gonna move to Maine. 
the, in the woods. It's like that. Po- it's like that policy where you tell the cops that you ran away from home here. and you get a free Greyhound bus. Yeah. <laughs> here you go, free pass. Fuck, go home. If you commute into the city, you got to pay gas, uh, seventeen dollars and parking. Mm. The ferry's free though, right? Jesus Christ, I don't know. It's a I lot of money, dude. Who's that? It's me, dude. Con- there he is. Hey, Tommy, how's it going? What's going on, guys? Conan's saying the Bay Bridge is six bucks, and that's expensive. For I think Verrazano is the most expensive in the country, if I'm not mistaken. Fucking eighteen bucks? Are you kidding? <laughs> It's ridiculous. I'm sorry. I'm very, very upset. And I don't even have to go I over everyone there. should just stay in their umbrellas. Basically. Right. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> People in Staten Island don't have $17. Hey, Greg, why don't you uh, next week hop on the uh, hop on Route 9 North and come meet me for lunch? I'm I was going to say, 10 minutes your, away from I, I, you. I, I, I took a note that I remember you saying you do a reverse commute. Yes. You do a commute up. Right. Where are you? You're in Offening or something? I'm in, uh, no, further north. I'm in Peekskill. Peekskill, yeah. are, are you with Judy and Blair? And, right. And, uh, I, I pass that house every day. The house is there really a house there? From that? Yeah, they've, I guess they shot the outside of it. That's what they tell me. By the way, Greg, here's a fun fact about the show that you didn't know maybe. You could put your computer in the room with the baby and use the radio show as a baby monitor. Is that right? Yeah, you stay on the line. And then the baby can listen to the show or, or the opposite, something like that. You can use it as a baby. Mm. It's just a lot of people don't know that about the show. So if you're thinking about listening or if you're on the fence and you have a baby, you can, you know, you can save some money. My, on the, my, on the monitor. my biggest problem, and I'll give you, I'll give you my own little fun fact is my biggest problem with listening to the show on a Friday because it's usually a time when I can listen. It's just like, I can't focus. I can't focus on anything else. It's either right. the show or my family. So <laughs> like, Welcome that, to my is world. Is that just a thing that I do or is it like, can people like have it on the background? They can't have you, it on. The no, background. no. Like it's hard to have. I can't. I have a hard time listening to podcasts in the background too, because you know, unless I'm like folding laundry or You're something. You're hanging on every word. I'm actually. I, I I work late at night and I do all these invoices and I'm like adding numbers and I start falling asleep and then I'm hearing you in the background and I just can't concentrate. I see the pick one or the other. That's what, yeah. <laughs> everybody, yeah. Everybody tells me it's good for driving. That's the best. Yeah, it's great for driving. You know, it's like mm-hmm. um, it's like Greg. You know, when we're playing poker or something and someone wants to put on like the Jerky Boys or Richard Pryor album. Yeah, no, you can't no you can't yeah. listen to like someone you can't concentrate and and other people are talk at the same time like they used to be able to do that like they used to make these kind of, like Red Fox's albums they call them like party mm-hmm. albums you know and you put them on at a party right. but it only works if everyone shuts up because yeah. people, you know, yeah. people are talking you can't hear what the hell Red Fox is talking about <laughs> right it, well it's, it, yeah it's like if it's like you're at a show or you're watching TV or something but you big dummy yeah, yeah it's, it's fun. it doesn't work <laughs> well yeah. thank you very that's much that's why I called in. Like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and now you can concentrate because you're on the phone. You have to. You're right. forced to. Yeah. Well, I mean, now now I have an excuse. Greg, how old is your kid now? My kid. Yeah. Uh, he just turned eight. Well, he's going to turn eighteen months on Monday, mm. right the day after my birthday. Uh, you're you're already doing the birthdays in months still. Yeah, you're screwed. Okay. Show that we can get back to that, John. How was your show? But the, uh, the uh, yeah, my birthday's on Sunday. But yeah, his his 18 month, whatever you would call that, not an anniversary, is uh, milestone. Monday. Are you saying your birthday's on April Fool's Day? Is that what you're trying to tell us? The day after. Oh, you, you have the yeah. same birthday as my son. Is that right? That's I think right. We've, uh, we probably realized this before. And yes. Forgotten. Well, right. happy birthday, yeah. Greg. It is also my son. Well, thank birthday. you. Happy birthday to your son. Yes. Uh, is he also. Uh, 43 years old? Yes, he is, and he just has a new <laughs> child himself, and he's moving wow. up. He's moving, to, he's moving to Teaneck, though, not Tarrytown. He's a Teaneck, New Jersey. Mm. Grandpa, who is? He's had it. It's beautiful over there. <laughs> taxes, though. Taxes, oh, boy. Oh, my God. Forget it. A lot of options. Yeah. 
A lot of upstate uh, vibes. Well, I didn't, I didn't buy. I don't think I bought up here or anything. Uh, you're yeah, renting? Property taxes yeah. are ridiculous. Yeah. Interesting. Mm-hmm. They got high taxes over there, yeah. Greg? Oh, it's ridiculous. Yeah, property taxes up here are... Like, I looked up for the house that I live in. Mm-hmm. like Because all that stuff's public record, people. You can just look that stuff up online. Right. Uh, yeah, it's ridiculous. Yeah, I, I mean, don't think I might, barely. Oh no, he's doing a pretty good job. My my, my uh, friend of mine lives in uh, Old Tappan, New Jersey, which is probably mm-hmm. pretty close to. You mean Tappan? Yeah, what's the they call it Old Tappan? Uh, he pays. I don't know. I'm gonna guess like eighteen grand. Yeah, dude, my dad. Yeah, so even if that. you're done paying for your house, you still got to pay yeah. like what thirteen and fourteen hundred dollars a month. That's, Fuck right. that. That's Fuck ridiculous. That. Yeah. Thank you. It's ridiculous. And then I got to pay eighteen dollars to go over the bridge. Shit. But doesn't it have to do with like the size of the house too? Like if it's a smaller house, yeah, they house? assess your house mm-hmm. every year. You get a tax yeah. assessment, and they uh, they base your taxes on that. So they could kind of you could challenge it and stuff. I don't. Tommy, know. what are your taxes up at your house? Well, you don't tell me exactly. But I, I mean, I'll tell you. You probably don't get it pretty low, right? It's just broken down into two parts. From what I understand, it's like half school tax and half property tax, and altogether comes out mm-hmm. to about twenty five hundred dollars a year. Yeah. Well, you're in the you're in the woods. What county is that? Yeah, it's in Ulster County. Oh, okay. Yeah, up in the up in the mountains. Up in the mountains. Alternative. Yeah, like, so. But you I, don't see any hermits up there, do you? Besides uh, yourself? <laughs> and my neighbors. <laughs> the two um, Yeah. No, you you do. But there, I mean, there's a lot of cow pastures and old barns and, you know, like yeah. long-bearded dudes and a lot of Trump supporters up there. I'll tell you that. Oh, yeah, sure. Yeah. That's the, well, that's I always knew like he had a good chance of winning when I, you take a nice drive up in upstate New York yeah. and you see all the lawn signs, you go, holy shit. I mean, he didn't win New York, but like they were- Yeah. Supporters of them, for sure. Uh, the reason I bring up hermits is because in the nine o'clock hour, we're going to be speaking with speaking with author Michael Finkel, who's written the Stranger in the Woods, yeah. the true story of uh, uh, Christopher Knight, who spent twenty seven years in the woods by himself, not talking to anybody. Now, uh, Greg, how close uh-huh. how close are you to doing that? Are you? It's, 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 I'm some... pretty. I, I was just trying to make the detection myself. Like I'm, I'm more in the woods than I've ever been. Well, maybe when I grew up, you've been to my house where I grew up. Yeah, right. I think I'm equally in the woods. As, as that. Yeah, that was the country. Um, right. <laughs> it was Manhattan, Manhattan Woods Road, if I can remember correctly. Yeah, yes. Woods is in the name. Right. <laughs> Woods is in the name. That's like when Mario, uh, when Mario's the plumber was over and he said, why do I keep getting water? And the plumber says, you live on Overbrook Street. <laughs> you dummy. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but yeah, I, it's much. It, it's I'm enjoying the woodsness of it. I can like walk down to the reservoir and see tons of Wildlife, there's deer. According to the old owners or the old renters, I should say, the deers are going to come and uh, hump your legs, hump my leg and whatnot. I saw a woodchuck the other day. The other day being yesterday. Exciting. Yeah, it's been good stuff. Yeah, a lot of wildlife. I went up to the house uh, this weekend and uh, I was looking at tracks in the snow and I found all different types of tracks, like uh, definitely deer tracks, but then like bigger ones from like bigger animals and I couldn't figure out what they Early. were from. Yeah, I couldn't tell if they're like cougars or bears. Cougars. Or fucking mountain lions. <laughs> High heels. What's the difference between a cougar and a bear? Cougar heroin is even the worst. You don't know the difference between a cougar and a bear? I well, thought you were Mr. Animal Guy well, as you chomped down on your Arby's burger. Yeah, I just thought by Arby's. I would, I would Do we have there. cougars around here? No, I mean, an upstate, I think they're like these bear cougar hybrids or something. I mean, shit. you're like way upstate. Yeah, yeah. 45. Yeah. You just but, said upstate like, uh, like uh, you know, like a New York guy with it. Mm-hmm. Oh, where does he live? He lives upstate. upstate. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's settling. But, I, I, but I also right. want to say, like, I'm not in the sticks. Like, right. So it's like, that's the cool thing. It's like, I'm right off the town, but you still get all this crazy wildlife, which I wasn't really expecting. Right. right. But, that's uh, my one fear. I, I, I'm happy about it. You know, I want to ask uh, Michael Finkel about that, too, when he comes on the air at 9, 9 p.m. Eastern, that um, 
Like <laughs> I, I'm, I'm kind of okay with the whole Woods thing. Uh-huh. The thing that three things bother me. All right, bears, yeah, mosquitoes, <laughs> and uh, that's it. Two things bother me. Mon- well, monsters, monsters. Regarding bears, uh, I'm afraid of. I'm t- in the woods. Yeah, hearing the the sounds out there in a tent and hearing the animals that freaks me out more than anything. I don't want to have encounters with animals. I actually asked Bob number one about bears, and he's like, "Ah, don't worry about it. All you got to do is clap your hands like this, and hey, they bear. go away. Yeah, hey, bear. That's yeah. it. Yeah, right." Until you get the one asshole bear, he's like on the end of his hey, fuck you life, and he's like his <laughs> he's got dementia, and he just just tears your face off. Yeah, the mosquitoes have to do with like pond water and shit, and still water, so you shouldn't see a lot of that. Mm-hmm. I don't know what's going on over there? Some kind of drumming. Uh, call, you're on the air. Somebody else on the line. Well, I think that was me. Can you still hear me? No, that's very bad. Okay, I'm gonna take that off. Then. Yeah, whatever that is, stop that. Sound like you're in a tunnel. I will, I stopped it. I went nice. To a little it sounds much better. Someone else is on the line too. Are you there, sir? Sir, do you want to speak to Greg Gregory Prim from Tarrytown? <laughs> yeah, I think he's gone. I don't know. Yeah, shy. <laughs> Whoever it is, put fell asleep. I think on the phone. They're still there though. So thank you, Greg, for calling in, and we love you. And if there's any other advice I could give you, terrible advice, please call back. Um, I think that's it. But how was your show last night? That's what I was. Oh, the show was good. We we had a good time. Uh, No, I I briefly touched on it. There's not much to say other than uh, we rule, and uh, we had a good time. (laughs) I saw a bunch of people. I was going to try to make it down, but uh, you know. Yeah, I was surprised. We played at eight forty-five. Well, nine o'clock, but eight forty-five. We're supposed to play. The place is packed. That's awesome. Place is packed. You know what? They have a good. Uh, they figured it out at this bar matchless. They have a happy hour yeah. right before the band start. Place is packed with yeah. that. It's around dinner time. Everyone's in there. It was great. Great venue. Good time. Nice people. Good venue. Yeah. Nice good sound place. lady. Well, let me. Yeah. Let me. Let me let you go then. Yeah, man. Thank you for oh. calling in and saving the show because I needed help. I'm all by myself no like a hermit in the woods. Now you, got, now you got those stellar sidekicks. Yeah. Listen. Stay on the line in case they suck. <laughs> <laughs> you, you do all the talking anyway. What do you need us here for? Uh, Sting Zug is in the chat box. Um, you're right. We only play venues that uh, are named after amplifiers, pad ons, and he did bring the matchless head, which lights up and everything. So it was oh, that's great. Quite serendipitous. Right. Yeah. Lena, Lena says hi. Hi, Lena. How are you? All right, say hello to little Henry for me or whatever his name is there. <laughs> little Henry. That's good enough. Little Henry. All right, Henry. <laughs> Thank you, Greg. Sounds right. Later on. Bye. Later, dude. There he goes. There goes Gregory Prim and his new son, Henry. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, dude, I'm sorry. I would have come earlier, but I No, that's s- okay. I had no idea. Pat just texted me yeah. uh, 15 minutes What's before the show. That, man? He's, he's got uh, he's got to bog down with work at the uh, mm. at the at the new bar. So. Uh, the old-timey bar. Yeah, so, uh, yeah. And then right before that, Mario was like, oh, I'm at this thing and blah, blah, blah. I don't know. Is so he coming? Free yeah, drinks, yeah, yeah, he's coming. Free food. No, I think he was doing his uh, his fatherly duties. I don't know. He's got he's at some school thing with his kid or some shit like yeah. that. I would have been here by 8, but I had to stop by Arby's to get dinner. So right. I, oh, I wish I'd known you were doing <laughs> that. You, what'd you have? I had a, a vegan gyro. Oh, really? Yeah. Arby's? Arby's has gyros. and they have gyros. Vegan yeah. gyro? Yeah, they're sort of vegan. Yeah. Oh, we're going to get into a huge fight because everyone in the in the... Chicago chat box is going to freak out and say it's pronounced gyro. It's gyro. Oh, it's gyro, man. Yeah. Period. I'll tell you, my friend Heavy Metal Chris, who's a Cypriot. What's that mean? It means he's from Cyprus. Cyprus. Oh, <laughs> yeah. Because last time you had CJ Ramon on the phone, you're like, "Is there a Greek guy in the Chris?" It's not Greek. He's fucking from Cyprus. Wait, so uh, same shit. So yeah. he goes, uh, 
I go to Heavy Metal Chris. I said, I asked him, I'm like, is it gyro or gyro? And he goes, well, it's pronounced gyro, but I don't go into a French uh, restaurant and ask for a croissant like an asshole. <laughs> it's, like, it's New York. Call it whatever you want. Yeah, yeah. yeah. No, I, I call it a I lamp care. sandwich. A lamp it. sandwich. <laughs> Fuck it. Lamp sandwich. Great metal band. It'll be coming on next week. <laughs> Uh, yeah, it's a gyro, so yeah. go fuck yourself. Yeah. Nobody cares. Dude, I slammed my finger in a car door tonight. Ugh. Sucks. Sorry to hear that. Yeah, man. Hyro. Mr. King with a completely new pronunciation there. I was carrying all those merch boxes in the car and I fucking closed the door and I looked up and it didn't even hit me because I was wearing gloves and my Ugh. finger was like, it was just like a delayed reaction and I'm like, oh my God, my finger's fucking jammed in the door. But uh, yeah. Why didn't you go to Gyro World? Is that a thing? Gyro World is great. They're not going to have vegan gyros. He's trying not to eat meat, man. Oh, is that what this is all about? A little uh, bit. Oh, okay. He's I, trying. I mean, even for, you know, a vegan, I don't think anything out of Arby's is going to help. I think you. if you walked no, into man. a Greek restaurant and you asked for a vegan right. gyro, they'd <laughs> set you on fire. <laughs> throw tomatoes at you. <laughs> the, the rotten ones. Yeah, the rotten ones. No, no, throw those tomatoes. Those tomatoes are still good. <laughs> Tony, get the bad tomatoes. Bring them out front. No, I don't really like to eat there. It's just on the fly, and it's on the way here, so just the quickest thing I could do. I've been it's weird, because there's no Arby's like anywhere in New York, yeah. and you found the one. Like They just built one here for some reason. Crazy. What, what, were the, what was the sandwich they had the other day they came out with? The Burgernator? It's like a cougar on a bear. The like the bun is a cougar, <laughs> and there's a bear head in, for the meat. <laughs> I have no idea. Something like that. I, don't know, I like the voice the guy has in the commercial, though. And he did uh, the uh, he did the Fresh Prince of Bel-Air the other day on the uh, commercial. Who's that? Uh, the voice in the Arby's commercial. I guess they have a Philly cheesesteak now. I don't know. I don't see any of these commercials, man. Uh, try the Arby's Philly cheesesteak. McCarl's Jr. McDonald's was in the news this week. They were saying they were going to- uh, What's in the news this week? <laughs> they were going to upgrade from frozen beef to uh, fresh beef in the next few years. I think they're uh, they're in trouble big they're time. Big, tr- big oh trouble. Oh, my God. Awful, awful. They fucking publicly hung Ronald McDonald. <laughs> they did? Like in the court. Yeah, they killed him. He's dead, dude. Oh, dude, that's yeah. not good. It's bad for their image. Euro. Euro. That's Bobo Chipman putting the uh, YouTube <laughs> pronunciation of gyro on there, which is, I, I don't recognize that as an authority mm. whatsoever. I heard they're going to start delivering. They do in some markets, actually. Yeah. McDonald's? Yeah. Get out of here. Yeah, that's because uh, they're not making any. They're not getting any new customers. Well, so they're, they're going to why, why are they hurting? Because people are eating healthier or something. I thought since yeah. Donald Trump was president, people just said fuck it and started eating whatever they want and doing uh, heroin. That's, that's just me. <laughs> they're actually partnering with Amazon to do McDonald's drone deliveries to office buildings in oh, New York. This drone thing's never going to happen, man. There's yeah. many drones flying all over the place delivering shit. It just can't get just off the air. Them out of the air like King Kong. Out of here. In Connecticut, they shoot at you. It just can't get off the ground. Is that what you're saying, Tom? Yeah, so I'm trying for puns, dude. <laughs> trying. Yeah, we try. We just can't get the drone uh, thing off the ground. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> All right, everybody, let's have a uh, lunch, and we'll come back and continue the meeting, the Amazon meeting. Run it up the flagpole. <laughs> so, um, is your hand okay now? I'm sorry, yeah, you slammed it. In the hold door. it straight. I'm trying to compare to the other one. It's a little more inflamed. But what mm, are you going to do? See. I saw that uh, Baby Sean and uh, your friend Andy Animal were up there helping you with the. They were with the flooring, and I talked to Sean last night, who booked our show, and I said, "Was that you in the picture that of Tommy's a uh, country house helping him up there?" And he's, and he had all this flooring. He goes, "Yeah." He goes, "I don't know how he thought he was going to do that by himself." I'm like, "Man, he's." But I'm glad you're learning the construction trade and like you know figuring stuff out, like yeah. how like hard 
it is just to like load the shit oh in. Oh my god, it's probably worse than the actual job. It's and actually, it's good that you because then you're get, you're learning like a trade yep. by doing it by yourself. And I'm, you need these life skills. I love that shit, man. It's actually not that hard. It's not like uh, don't tell anybody that you're I'm losing my <laughs> side jobs. <laughs> this is pop and lock uh, flooring, you know, so it floats. So it's not like yeah. that with a nail gun or anything. Yeah, it's, it's like what are you gonna rub a mallet or something there and but, slap yeah, it all together? Put some slap each other around. Some felt down, get a little silly. What do you got? The parquet. No, I got the hard engineered uh, click lock. Mm-hmm. So they're about five feet long by six inches wide. And- right. Well, Mr. King, the the folks serving it around here are also Greek, and they will not. They say gyro. So yeah, I don't know what to tell you. But John- he thinks everyone who serves it says it the same way. John, it's funny that that whole story started when I went to Home Depot, and I had to buy like like two thousand dollars worth of flooring. And I went to this old timer in the pro desk because I got the tip to go to the pro desk, get a little bit of a discount, you know. Oh yeah. And the guy's like, "We don't give discounts to non-contractors." And I'm like, "I'm a contractor." He's like, "What's your company?" And I'm like, "My merch company." Yeah. You know? Why not? And he was like, "All right, I had to enter all the shit in." And then he like gives me the slip. He's like, "All right, go for it." And I'm like, "What? I got to get this myself?" He's like, "Yeah, it's down aisle 15." And I go down there, and it's literally like two pallets of fucking. It's like three thousand pounds. Sure, shit's heavy. So one by one, I start like putting them into one of those Home Depot carts, and the, the head of that department comes strolling by. He's like, "What are you doing?" And I'm like, "I just bought this flooring." And he's like, "You seriously? Like how much?" And I'm like, "All this plus that." And he's yeah, like, "Forklift time." Yeah, he's like, "No, no, no." He's like, "Put that back." Yeah, break he, your ass for nothing. Exactly. And then he brings over like a forklift and brings it over. Did he right. let you drive it? No, I wish. Oh. It would have been fun. It's an insurance. Uh, yeah. They don't let you do that. But then he's like, what kind of what kind of box truck do you have? And I'm like, a Ford Explorer? Oh. And he's like, oh, my God. So then he's like, all right, Johnny, come here. You need some help. And then they brought that over to my you car. You didn't bring the Ford Explorer, which is specifically <laughs> the floor, designed the floor for transporting floor, flooring. So I fucking loaded that shit in with these dudes. I tipped them out. And um, my car weighed down like so much it was like Feel an it, right? inch off yeah oh yes. yeah no that's bad for your leafs and springs there yeah. pally and it was going so pally. slow <laughs> hey there there's a problem there pally <laughs> now i gotta fucking haul the shit three hours in the mountain you know and so like usually it's <laughs> i'm going up the 87 zipping around off yeah. the tap and z did yeah. you did you ask for uh where the uh the the gyroscopes were in, in, in the, the uh, Home Depot. Can you point me in the direction of the gyroscopes? Yeah, gyroscope. <laughs> fucking idiots. And then I fucking I made it all the way up there, and I had a, I had a meeting because I don't know if you know, but um, Sean and I and Andy Animal are working on this uh, festival coming up next year. Ooh, are there going to be pyrotechnics at that festival? <laughs> <laughs> there are actually. Um, it's called Maltasia, and it's happening in the in the Catskills this September. And so I've been partnering with them. They brought me on as basically an advisor and in charge of uh, merch and uh, sponsorships and things like that. So we had a couple meetings this week, and they it, they were happening in Woodstock. So what perfect timing is to go up there? Will Spiro Yiro be playing? <laughs> Some, a couple tunes at this festival. Spiro Yiro. Spiro Yiro. The famous jazz band. <laughs> But it was it was I kind of overbooked myself because I had a Home Depot delivery of my appliances coming that afternoon. Yeah, which is you got to understand it's like tippy top of the mountain, super secluded. So you got a hot plate delivered on a truck from Home Depot. Yeah, I was like terrified that they wouldn't even be able to like get the box truck up the fucking driveway. Yeah, you know? yeah, yeah. You're remember on a big incline. If you remember the week before, I had that whole shit plowed with a bobcat. <laughs> right. it was oh, like three I, feet of I snow. keep up on the whole blog. Yeah, there you go. And so I made it up there and. I was like, I can do this myself. And then Sean and Andy were like, dude, do you need some help? And I'm like, I think I do. And they rolled up and they helped me. You got two big dudes helping out there. Strong men. Yeah. And before they got there, Bob number one showed up randomly. 
and he started walking through the house and he started giving me <laughs> good morning neighbor and he started giving me all this like neighborly advice. He's like, you don't want to rip that out. What you want to do is, and like all day long, he would just oh, like. Oh, it's the worst when somebody's standing over your shoulder, and he's still there all day for like an hour before uh, they show up. Like, you're carrying that wrong. You're doing this wrong. You're doing you that wrong. You got mold. You're gonna have to Freaking rip it all out. Can't stand. Actually, it. I did find more mold. It seems to be a, a, a roof leak, so I have to uh, gut that out. And he's like, yeah, you want to cut that out? You don't want to do that? Go get some. Yeah, it's bleach. the woods. It's natural. Molds are naturally occurring. Don't yeah. worry. I wouldn't worry about it. You can eat it. Take care of it before you get <laughs> raccoons living up there. <laughs> <laughs> you're gonna have a problem but like I, I was thinking about ripping out some tile I was like no that's good tile you want to leave that there it's good tile uh, what are you gonna do with it I know exactly he's like that makes for insulation take it yeah take it to the swap meet <laughs> oh so he wants you to put a wall on top of the tiles <laughs> like floor on top of the tile you know yeah no you're always better off ripping everything out I agree with you completely it's the way to go because then you know I mean I, I, I put floors on top of floors on top of floors eventually you know yeah. You know how much you see how much that weighs in your car, right? Right. Well, now you're putting all that weight in your house. Exactly, and it's just got like a crawl space underneath, so. Yeah. You don't want that shit to collapse on you there. Yeah, fuck that. So, I sent a packing, uh, but uh he <laughs> You told him to go away. <laughs> I was like, I got these guys coming, man. I got to do this. Hit the bricks, Johnny. <laughs> <laughs> People getting very upset over the pronunciation of gyro. It's gyro, dudes. Gyro. Scatta la fas. We don't need another gyro. <laughs> <laughs> we could be gyros. <laughs> it's this is America. It's gyro. What about uh, Traveling Pete? Is he traveling through here, these parts? No, nah, Traveling Pete's uh, going to be going upstate. He's uh, Everyone's going upstate. Yeah, he's heading where he's from. Well, Mount Vernon's. So right. he's going to be... Uh, it's going to be up there for a little while. I think we're the Ma. only assholes moving around tonight out here. Yeah, it's so wet out there. Yeah, it's I know. very rainy here in New York. I'll give you the weather report here on Live from the Barrage, which you're listening to, by the way, every Friday night here on Radio Nope. That's right. Pause. You see how I pause 10 seconds for station IDs? <laughs> we'll bring you the news. Bob, uh, uh, Bob in the chat box citing something called the dictionary. Never heard of that. <laughs> About uh, the pronunciation. Everyone there goes my hero. Make Traveling Pete an official cast member. Well, you know, it's, sometimes there's 100 people in here and sometimes there's three. Yeah. I don't know what to do. You he's, know? I'm sorry. He's got to be overflow. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you know, I mean, you know, he's, Traveling Pete's great. and I, He comes every week pretty much anyway. I invite him all the time. So I, I guess I Jody's know. like a package deal with Pat, huh? Oh, if Jody doesn't have a ride, she's not coming. Yeah. Yeah. We'll have to send a black car for <laughs> I think it's really come down to whoever wants to show up. Yeah, I mean, what Just am I doing? check show? with you, you know, first, you know? You know check with me and, and show up if you want. What the fuck do I know? Yeah. What, who am I? I guess I'm in charge of the show. A little bit. I don't know. A little bit. A little bit. <laughs> I feel like everybody's part of the show, really, when it comes down to Yeah, I mean, you know, you know I don't know. Everybody's sitting in the chat box right now. I mean, they're just as much a part of it as, as me and Tommy and anybody else. Sure. You know? Speaking of which, I want to give a big shout-out to uh, to Brad for uh, helping to promote this week and getting that uh, yes. all focused for us. That's Brad. really cool. Uh, yeah. No, I don't know what you're talking about. Yeah. He's, oh, yeah, no. I, I, I know it. what you're... Yeah, you're right. He, uh, he I don't know what you're promote talking it. about. It was cool. Yeah. Oh, share it. You, you hacked into his account, didn't you? <laughs> I don't know what you're talking about. Yeah, a hold of his phone. Everything's fine. We're going to be talking to Michael Finkel at 9 p.m. Yeah. He wrote a book called The Stranger in the Woods, and it's about Christopher Knight. You've been reading this, huh? Oh, I'm, I'm, I'm in the middle. I'm, the, the, I'm, in, I'm deep. I'm in deep, buddy. I see you removed the jacket. You know, I fucking hate dust jackets hmm. when I'm reading a book. I throw it right in the garbage. I think no, a, don't do that. Well, I throw it right it's on the table next to the value. Yeah, well, I, I don't care. <laughs> Ryan speaking. Thirty years from now, I got this book for it's for money. free. 
I, I, I can't stand them. It's like clutter to me. My OCD or whatever it is. And not that I'm crazy OCD or anything, but I, I don't like the. I'm reading the book and the. It's moving around. Oh, I like and it's that. annoying. They do get damaged. I, you know, I, I hate them. I hate dust jackets. Well, you take them off while you're reading, and then you put them back on. Yeah, I no, I, I don't know. Yeah, I guess you put them back on. I think a book looks way better without the jacket anyway. If you had a library full of books, well, it's more yeah, old it looks tiny. like my mother's attic. I mean, there. how how messed up does a book get in your life? You read it, you put it on the shelf. I mean, what are you doing with it? Hammer and nail? I like the artwork and the <laughs> illustrations. <laughs> I hate that. It's always in the, my fingers are touching. I don't know. I don't like it. I don't like it. It's it's not uniform with the rest of the book. It's like a mm-hmm. you know, it's it's a mess. I like the ones that are printed directly onto the uh, the hardcover. You know, right? I hate the plastic on the fucking records too. What? Uh, how long has this book been out? Can I ask? Um, you know, not that long. I don't think it, it's not it's really like not. five years old, right? No, 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 no. This is new. He's got another book called uh, True Story, which is we're going to ask him about that too. It's about a bunch of stuff. Try to give him a little bump. I give him the Amazon link on the yeah. No, it came out. Show. It came out this year. This is a brand new book, dude. Yeah. Brand spanking new. You got a first edition there. I got a first edition there. I got to listen. I feel like a real radio show. I got a free copy in the mail. It's great. Nice. Sweet. From the publishing company and stuff. You can survive on all the freebies from yeah, this. Yeah, see, now, like, I mean, I like the artwork too and stuff, but when I take the dust jacket off, off as you can see here, but the audience can't, look, it's like a nice Gold brown leaf. book with a green binding. It has the title on the, on the, on the spine, as you would. I'd like to put that on my shelf. Freaking crazy dust jacket flopping around, folding over. Thank you. Disappointed Thank with you. you. <laughs> <laughs> I swear to God, Kazugas, I promise you my autobiography will not have a dust jacket on. My entire life is on the, on the radio. You could just listen to all the old episodes if you the want. The name of your book is going to be Dust Jacket. Dust Jacket. Why I hate dust jackets with a big old dust That's jacket. And you're going to be wearing a very dusty jacket with like shrugging at the camera. <laughs> the entire <laughs> contents of the book are just dust jacket. The pages are like thick laminated. <laughs> Stop lying to yourselves. It's going to be called Read This. <laughs> Read This about the author. Throw this fucking dust jacket away. Right in the garbage. Thank you. We should take a break. And when we come back, we'll be talking to Michael Finkel, hopefully, uh, if he's if he's still into it. If he's still interested. <laughs> I got a lot of stuff for this guy. I can't wait for this interview. It's I'm be excited. Fun. And actually, may I add that one of my news stories, which is a TRNN exclusive, is uh, Upstate Mountain related. Mm. Having mm. nothing to do mm. with my mountains or his. But they uh, So we're going to get really thematic here on the brush. Like, okay, nice. Yeah. I heard you had some big news. Big news, big, big news. news, and we'll hear about that. It's an expose after this break. Thanks, everybody. Live from the Brudge. All right, I've had it. I've had enough. There's a theme running here.
discouraged This song's too long This song goes on Way too long I am Enjoy the silence <laughs> This guy <laughs> What a chooch Thank you everyone <laughs> Walked, Who does he think he's walking around he's with dead, a right? chair? No. Did he die? Oh, no <laughs> <laughs> Sorry uh, That's Depeche Mode with Enjoy the Silence uh, before that, we heard Herman's Hermits and um, Eric Carmen with All By Myself, Solitary Man by Johnny Cash. Obviously, see what's going on here. I'm very clever. Thank you. In uh, just a moment or two, hopefully, we'll have uh, Michael Finkel on the air. He's written a book called The Stranger in the Woods, and it's about this very subject. Hermit, well, I don't know if Christopher Knight likes the term hermit. He probably doesn't. Uh, Christopher Knight was a solitary man in the woods of Maine. Didn't talk to anyone for 27 years. Speaking of hermits. Oh, yeah. We have our own personal hermit here. Uh, is Mario Asara, who's taking over Pat's microphone. I'm sure Pat's going to love that. Wow, this is class. I could hear myself in the headphones and everything. He's, Amazing. He's more of a squatter. What a night. It's. I wouldn't be like. I wouldn't like to be stuck in the woods on a night like this. Yeah, fuck oh, that. Man. No, actually, uh, a chat box. I was thinking of, I wasn't thinking of Michael Hutchins of NXS. I was thinking of um, the dude from Joy Division. Sorry. Joy. Ian Curtis. Yeah. All those bands sound the same to me. Not a bad Depeche Mode song, I guess, if you're going to pick one. Yeah, I like that one. It doesn't like make me crazy. Depeche so, Mode is not crap, you'd say? No, I, I'm crapping them. Crap? Yeah, it's not my thing, but I understand why people would would not crap them. That's, that's their biggest hit, right? It's got to be, right? Yeah. No, Personal I, Jesus was. I like that Depeche Mode was pretty cool you when know, they that first came that out. When, when, you see, you guys were in Alive when they actually broke out into the scene. Yeah. Did they play with the Stranglers and, they, and, they, and CBGBs? Pat oh, in the they chat did, box saying, get off my mic, you slag. I'm spitting all over it, Pat. God. With every P I say. What, what happened to you last week, Pat? He just disappears. He can't, he can't answer you in real time. I, I have a theory about that, but I'm going to have to save it till he's here. Oh, no. <laughs> no, no, I want to question Pat's him Pat's Uber showed up yet. Okay. Wait, Mary, you saw Depeche Mode? I said when they came out, you know, on record and listening to them, it was just, it wasn't great, but it wasn't like, oh, they suck. It wasn't a complete right. sellout yet. Right. You know, orchestral maneuvers in the dark, Depeche Mode, Joy Division. They all kind of came out together. A little more craft worky, I guess, e in the beginning. Erasure. Erasure, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I remember them, guys. too. All Horrible. The new, all the new wave kids. Listen, Andy we Bell. should have a crap, not crap, of literature with this guy tonight. I thought of that, too. Hey, did you bring your list? Jonathan Livingston Siegel. Well, obviously, you didn't bring a list. And, you know, <laughs> no, I, I, I like when people come up with ideas I, during the interview. Well, you thought of it, didn't you, John? And everyone starts texting me. It's between 7 and 8 o'clock Did you every think of Friday. it already? Yes, I did. And you're prepared? No. We think alike. I thought, uh, I thought of it. I thought it would be kind of- I'll uh, work on that on the- Maybe a little boring. Tommy, you, no, I think some great novels would be great. Hello? Hey, this is Mike Finkel, the uh, journalist who wrote The Strength in the Woods. Hey, Mike. How's it? Thanks for joining us. You're on the air, sir. How are you? I'm great, thanks. Thanks for having me here. I got a big intro for you. You ready? Anytime. <laughs> I'm ready. Thank you for doing it. Uh, Michael Finkel is the author of True Story. I can't read. Murder <gasps> Memoir and Mea Culpa. He's written for the National Geographic, GQ, Rolling Stone, Esquire. The list goes on and on. His new book is called The Stranger in the Woods. It's now available wherever fine books are sold. And I assume Amazon and all that stuff, right? Uh, so. That's right. And uh, thank you for joining us. We really appreciate it. This is a subject that I'm like fascinated with, and I can't wait to ask you some questions about it, if you don't mind. Not at all. I'm looking forward to this, cool. actually. Where are, you, where are you calling from, Mike? 
I'm at my home in Bozeman, Montana. So uh, it's actually unseasonably warm here. Wow. And uh, I don't know, I'd rather be skiing, but uh, too warm to ski, unfortunately. Right. <laughs> Do you have a bumper sticker that says, I'd rather be skiing on your car right now? I don't, but I saw a bumper sticker that I liked. And normally I don't like bumper stickers. It sort of reminded me a little bit about this book. It said, relax, nothing is under control. Right. I'm kind of like that. Yeah, that kind of is kind of soothing in a way that like to, to believe that life is chaos and there's there's nothing you can really do about it. Works for me. Yeah. yeah. Do you often think about going out into the woods, Michael? I think everybody in everybody, you know, thinks about that just throwing it all away and uh, walking aimlessly into the woods. I think well, I think about going into the woods maybe not throwing it all the way. I think about going in the into the woods for a night like every 5 minutes practically. I'm real, I'm a true right. uh, camper. <laughs> yeah. And uh, as for throwing it all away, that's only probably down to twice a day. Right. <laughs> twice a day. <laughs> I think about it all the time. You know, and I was thinking about this before as I'm reading the book that um, you know, I don't want to relate it to my everything to myself, but this I built this bar in my garage where we're broadcasting from. And it's almost like I've made my own, like like I'm a hermit out here. I've made my own, like a like getaway, cozy world. And everything oh. in here has been donated or stolen in a way. Nothing's been bought. You know, no, it's like the woods because it's freezing and you piss in the corner. That too. There's no. <laughs> listen, there's a fu- there's a funnel that goes with it goes outside. It's not just a, and the, you know, I, and I guess every sing- every person in the world has that about them in a way. Like you, you build this, you build that. You have your own thing to get away. But this guy. Christopher Knight takes it to the ultimate extreme and just completely disappears off the face of the planet for 27 years. And not just any 27 years. Like, you can think of, like, a 70-year-old person sort of retiring with a lifetime of experience and frustration. This guy left when he was 20 years old and wasn't, he didn't come out voluntarily. He was going to stay out. Yeah. He went from 20 to 47. Just think about that. That's pretty much the heart of your life. Yeah. By himself. Never one conversation, though, when you were talking about your um, your bar uh, being sort of a hermitage, uh, you know, Chris Knight actually listened to a lot of radio and yes. sounds. He didn't find actual human interaction to be very fun, but sort of uh, voices coming over the air to be soothing. So, uh, right, so another he, parallel. So, I mean, he wasn't like um, in a sense of a true hermit, cut off from completely from society or the creature comforts. I mean, the guy had a TV for a little while. He had a radio. He knew what was going on in the world, I assume. He listened to, like, Rush Limbaugh and things like that. And, uh, you know, he's, he wasn't any, you know, he didn't, he had a propane, he, he had a watch. It wasn't like he was completely, you know, he wasn't uh, the naturalist. He was no Henry uh, Thoreau. <laughs> well, we'll take well, well, it. Wait, wait, wait. Now, I happen to love Thoreau, but Chris Knight. Does not. Those things you mentioned were right. He did have a radio. He read a lot of books, which is another way of communicating. But he was so entirely cut off from actual humans that it sort of boggles the mind. You know, he never had a conversation, touched a person, even sent an email, made a phone call. There was no actual real give-and-take interaction for the entire 27 years. He actually despised Henry David Thoreau. Yeah. He thought it was funny. He called, he called him a dilettante. You know, Henry, Henry David Thoreau was out in uh, Walden. For two years, his, his mother did his laundry. He had lots of dinner parties. <laughs> yeah, he went to town at least once a week. You know, it was not, not a true hermit there at all. I, I think, and one, one of the things that he didn't like about Thoreau was that Thoreau wrote about it, and I think he kind of didn't, uh, Christopher kind of um, uh, resent that in a way that it was, it was that you know, to box it all up in this um, package of a book or something was kind of a, che- kind of right, a cheating. Trying to bring inspiration. 
Right, it's a way of communicating to write all this stuff down, and it was kind of like, I don't know. Can you explain it, Mike? I'm, I'm doing a horrible job. I mean, I'm well aware that I'm hawking my own book here, but that won't stop yeah, me from making fun of people who write books. Um, <laughs> Chris Knight, Chris Knight, the, probably the number one thing he didn't like about Henry David Thoreau was that he wrote book, many books, but he wrote Walden. So if you think about it, you, you were, you, I, I was like envisioning Chris Knight when you were saying that his uh, hermitage was somehow um, spoiled by the fact that he listened to the radio. Well, he felt that anything that you do in solitude that's for other people sort of negates it. Now, like Chris Knight never wrote down a phrase. He didn't keep any journal. He didn't take a picture. It's he didn't crazy. paint any paintings. He really thought that Thoreau, by writing Walden, was basically saying, look at how smart I am. Look at what I'm doing. Look at me. Look at me. Look at me. It's a very uh, outward thing to make a piece of art or a piece of writing for the outside world. It's basically it's basically making something. It's another way of sort of showing off. And Chris Knight despised that. He wanted to com- be turned completely inward. He didn't care right, what the rest it. of the world thought about him, which sort of makes his hermitage more powerful. That, you, know how, you, know, you know how you're like, let's not talk about this uh, subject during this conversation. That's the only one you want to talk about. Well, Chris Knight was like, you know, I don't care what you think, which made me, of course really want to know like you know why why he went into the, into the woods the, the the less he wanted to say the more i wanted to hear right it seemed like uh, Thoreau was just trying to uh, develop a philosophy about uh, about stuff and owning stuff and responsibilities in life and and leaving yeah, it all behind to, and how yeah. free you feel from it and everything like that yeah it's Thoreau. i mean i, I listen i think walden's one of it's one of my one of my favorite books but and Thoreau was trying to set an example for other people, how you can, like you said, you can be more independent, you can live with uh, the more solace and solitude and simplicity you find in your life. Generally speaking, the happier people feel, and we're all just cluttering, we're buying stuff left, right, and center to, uh, to in, in this wild goose chase to make us satisfied, where if we actually threw out a bunch of crap every day, we'd probably all be a lot happier. Um, but that was basically a demonstration for the outside world. The reason why Chris Knight rejected that was that he just said, said, let the outside world be what it may. I'm going to go into the inside world. I'm going to retreat entirely from communicating with society and see, you know, I think Thoreau himself called it the Atlantic and Pacific Ocean of one's own being. Like the interior voyage is much more frightening and daring, I may say, than any exterior voyage you could take. We don't like it. Humans don't like it. Right. What was uh, what was Christopher like before he went into the woods? And were there people actively trying to find him while he was gone? Yes, people were trying to find him. He was gone for 27 years. He's, you know, as Knight himself, he's sort of, his voice is ringing in my ear a little bit. He's like, Mike, don't. This is Chris Knight talking to me. He says, Mike, don't romanticize me. He, I speak warmly of him and I feel warmly about him, to be honest with you. I try to maintain a little more neutral tone in the book because I think it's insulting to the reader to tell yeah. him or her how to feel. Let 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 you you decide. If you read the book, you know I don't, I don't know if the book's good or bad. You have to decide. But I feel like I've allowed you to decide whether you think Chris Knight's a thief, whether you think he's a hero, whether you think he's some combination of them both. Um, Chris Knight has a re- had a really interesting youth. He grew up in Central Maine in a family that did not have a lot of money. But uh, he had four older brothers and one younger sister. But it sort of was this, like, Renaissance uh, family. They read Shakespeare and Edna St. Vincent Millay at night. Everyone who'd seen the inside of their house described it as, like, a library of books. They all read at night. But during the day, they, they, when they were students, all the kids got great grades. None of them went to college. They all learned how to fix automotive 
electrical, plumbing. They studied theoretical physics. They studied thermodynamics. The, the family, this is like a fun, a fun tidbit, they built this greenhouse in their backyard in which they buried hundreds of one-gallon plastic containers of water just oh, wow. below the soil. They had known. They know that the water molecules hold heat during the day and release it at night, and they could grow food all through a main winter without having to pay a dime wow. to the electric okay. company because they'd studied thermodynamics. Really, really sharp, interesting family. Very private. Mike, uh, did you think that he had a kind of a um, <clears throat> like a, a prepper's attitude because of that? In a way, like in the, the way people like uh, prepare for the you know the acronym "the end of the world" as we know it, things like that. And did he have like because of the that that family background you felt like you had a leg up on being able to survive out there well you're sort of hitting on it you know i've uh, i've been a journalist for 27 years and i've interviewed thousands upon thousands of people and i don't know if i could i might be able to just blanket statement say i don't think i've ever encountered anyone with a sharper mind than chris knight uh, even the cumbersome, most of my interviews with him were done while he was in the county jail, seeing what would happen mm-hmm. to him for his petty crimes. And even through like a piece of glass, we had to talk through scratchy phone receivers. The blazing power of his intellect came through. He could quote books. He could quote, he could talk about theoretical physics, anything he wanted. And, and it wasn't so much a prepper's mindset. It was just a sharp mind that was great at problem solving, great at uh, um, just being steely. When, it, when he had to be. He also had a physical grace that he was blessed with. So all these things, this mental acuteity and a physical grace, and he could solve any problem. If you remember Into the Wild, uh, oh, sure. the name was Chris McKinless. Uh, unfortunately, Chris McKinless died. He didn't even make it one winter and died. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, Chris Knight walked out of the woods after 27 winters and summers and falls, uh, strong as an ox. Right. And the reason why is because he could solve problems he had just a sharpness about his mind, not prone to panic, patience, all those things uh, that pops up. I, mean, I don't think I would make it particularly long, especially no fire. I was just going to bring that up for the audience who hasn't, uh, hasn't read the book yet. Oh, he has not. He never started a fire. Now, this is like is that if possible. You're, if you're into this survival thing, if you're into like, you know, going out in the woods, the, 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 a fire is like the, if you ever watch these survival shows, that's the first thing you try to do is start a fire because the, the, you got the, you got heat. You're not going to freeze to death. Okay, then you can go look for food once you got that going. I, he never started a fire. I don't understand. How cold does it get up in Maine? It's got a minus something. It, it, it makes no sense. How does he survive? It's, I got a bunch of things to say about this. First of all, <laughs> I, need, I need to state to everyone listening that everything I'm saying tonight is true. Right. Uh, this is not fake news. I, for personal and professional reasons, I mean, this, this story is so extraordinary that even the slightest bit of exaggeration or overemphasis will kill it. I hired two independent fact-checkers. I had both Chris Knight's lawyer and the district attorney uh, read the parts of the manuscript. I had the p- resting officers who were privy to all the um, unpublished information on Chris Knight read it. And if I was 99% sure of something, I cut it out. Not good wow. enough. I just uh, well, I need, know to, I need that to ask you that. Everything I'm is true. I need to quickly yeah. ask you before we get into the fire thing then, because, uh, you know, you got in trouble with the New York Times in 2001. Mm-hmm. Now, because of that background where you, um, for the audience, um, Mike made a, uh, wrote a story and he made a composite character out of uh, mm-hmm. multiple interviews, which is frowned upon and uh, that you're not allowed to write from the t- for the Times anymore. With that in mind, does everything you write, it, you feel like it's going to be under this microscope and you need to like do 
10 times the fact checking of anyone else writing a book and just, you know, just double down on, on every kind of, you know, hiring these fact checkers. Is, is that something that a normal person writing a book would do? Hire two fact checkers and a lawyer? Probably not. Right. I mean, but you're going to be extra scrutinized. No. So, you know, 16 years ago, I was uh, fired from the writing for the New York Times magazine for, as you said, making a composite character, which is combining many interviews into one fictitious person. And I was fired, and I knew what I did. I was, I knew that I cheated and deserved to be fired, just like Chris Knight said he deserved to be in jail. And uh, I was just going to say, there's that parallel. You, know, you were still, you, you, you knew what you were doing was wrong. He knew that stealing from these cabins was wrong. It's almost like it's the same kind of thing you guys have going on there. You know, no. sometimes <laughs> journalists can give the appearance of being on their high horse or holier than thou. You know, I, the way I approach people is like, listen, I am entirely human, and I make mistakes, and I made a bad mistake and got fired deservedly. So, but it doesn't make me a bad person or frankly, a bad journalist, but it made me, um, you know, sort of a pariah. And as you mentioned, since then, listen, I, I don't have any other, I don't have any skills except for listening to people tell me good stories and organizing uh, the paragraphs around that. Uh, and so, you know, America is thankfully a land of second chances. And, uh, you know, I, I feel in some bizarre way, not to denigrate any other journalist, but man, if you read anything by me these days, you know it's going to be clean. It's going to be clean. I cannot afford <laughs> right. any other yeah. mistakes. I'm, I'm so, not. I don't reserve any judgment. Uh, I, I'm not judging you here, but I have to ask those questions. And um, no, it's fine. Uh, you know, I think the parallel is kind of interesting. That, Actually, that, that you know, I don't know, John. Before you jump in, I, uh, I lost my question, Mike. I wanted to ask you quickly. Uh, what, what's the timeline here? When was Chris born? Like, what was the period here? Chris Bond was Chris Knight was born in 1965. He was, he's, you know, so he's uh, I guess 40, uh, 52 right now. Um, he left the uh, he left the world in 1986 at the age of uh, the age of 20, and uh, you know was completely hidden from you know had, had I think he encountered a hiker one time on a trail and said hi. He said one syllable. He didn't even talk to himself right. until he was pulled out of the woods in 2013. So Amazing. he, 20 he didn't talk to himself. 1986, hmm. 2013. Okay, thanks. I did want to just get back to that quickly, Tommy. Just one more thing about the New York sure. Times thing. Did, how did they find out and was there how long before they found out and did you have this like cloud hanging over you like, oh man, they're going to find this, this thing out. And, and did you have guilt about it? Yeah, I'm not... Uh, I guess I'm not born to be a true criminal because I felt terrible about it. But of course, you know, you make your bed, you lie in it. Um, it Christopher, a, Chris uh, also had guilt about you know, stealing person, from the, the, the cabbage, <laughs> but he was hungry. Yeah, you know, I, I was going to say, you know, sometimes journalists can, can seem like they're holier than now, and I, I just came into them you know, very much like, hey, I'm, I'm a flawed person. And sometimes it makes people talk to you even more enthusiastically, like, you know, to say, listen, who, who, who amongst us haven't made mistakes? It's, to pretend that you're per- perfect is probably off-putting. Yeah. But I don't want to have other journalists, you know, I don't want to tell any secrets away. Just somehow being flawed actually actually makes you more approachable, not less. And um, then you wrote a book about that, too, or not exactly about that, but that's part of the, the, the book. <laughs> I've had an unusual career, guys. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, I don't, so, don't want to get, it's, it's so much at once, I don't want to get too crazy about it but and then also in this book murder uh, murder memoir I made a couple he talks about a murderer stole his identity and lived in Mexico I mean, I, you know, I what kind mean, of life is this you should go out into the woods I know it's been enough life you know and I'm, uh, I'm still, uh, yes it's true I was fired from the New York Times and at the same time I again people this is true it sounds like fiction the same literally like within hours of we my uh, 
uh, firing being made public, I uh, got a call from um, a journalist who I thought was going to ask me questions about being fired. And he informed me that a guy who was on the FBI's 10 most wanted list had just been arrested in Mexico, uh, wanted for four murders, his family actually, and he was telling everyone his name was my name, Mike Finkel, and that he was a writer for where I used to work for the New York Times, and that's a true story. It became a book and then actually a movie in 2015. We're, ha- so we're having him on next week. Wait, what was the name of the movie? <laughs> How do we know we're not talking the to the Mexican the murderer again? True Story, and the name of the true book story. is True Story. and It's a tongue-in-cheek title. First of all, the book, Every Sentence, is true. We just went over how right. careful I am, but at, at the other, on the other hand, the main character... Not me. The murderer is a pathological liar. So it's sort of a. It's sort of a why about, you? It's about getting fired from the Times, about murder, but also about how do you know when someone's telling you the truth? Is, is, Michael, is a question. Michael, I have to jump in. I grew up with a Michael Finkel, and he could have been a murderer. But <laughs> That's Mario. I don't I swear think, it wasn't me. I, I have to say, when you're talking as an artist, I don't think you need to apologize or, or say Mia Culpa on the New York Times shit. You know what? You she are an do. artist. You made a composite sketch. I think it was a brilliant piece of art. And not only that, you could argue that that in itself brought this whole thing with this gentleman who impersonated you and then saw off your second book and the movie. And, that would have, and that's made you who you are today. That very act that you went against the mold, that you went against what mm. writers are supposed to do. You're supposed to write the truth, though. That's, that's... I really appreciate what you just said. And I kind of agree with you that the, the article I wrote with the composite character has artistic elements. My mistake was putting it in the New York Times. I just should have published it as fiction right. or put it in I Esquire see, magazine with a little one-sentence uh, disclaimer, hey, the main character is a composite, and then they just would have run sure. it. Um, it. The mistake wasn't the in the... Uh, Construction of the story was just keeping a secret that I cheated, yeah. and so well, you can't, you can't, you got to get, you got to be a little harsh on me here, you right? Know, so why not? I mean, well, is that was that such a shortcut? Was it so important, or could you have just uh, included every interview, or, or then the story wouldn't like it, you couldn't, um, you know? I don't. know. Well, I was, it was sixteen years ago. Um, I was, a, I was much, much younger, and you know, I love fiction. I love a story that just has this, you know, smoothness about it, and. Uh, I just wanted it to be beautiful and cheated. So nowadays, I'm well beyond that. If I want to write something fiction, I'll just write fiction. And uh, my nonfiction has sort of reached this kind of. I used to. I think I used to like want the story to go in a certain direction, which is a very bad thing for a nonfiction writer. Now I just don't care. Whatever happens, happens. When I encounter someone fascinating, like Christopher Knight, the main character of the stranger in the woods, this, this new book, when I met him, I was like, he had a blazing intellect. He was really, he had a crazy story to tell. And like, whatever happened, happened. Like if he cut me off, if we became best friends, I didn't care. And that sort of has really changed my nonfiction. Like it's just whatever it is, it is. Yeah. I don't know if you're familiar with the story, but you know, uh, author James Frey wrote that book, a million little pieces, and he got lambasted for doing his own version of a composite character. Um, so, but that was a whole entire book. Whereas in your case, it was an article. Yeah. So, I don't think it. Uh, I think, go ahead. I've worked diligently for the past sixteen years to, you know, you can't amend for something like that. But you know, I, as I said earlier, I, I don't claim to be the cleanest, the most perfect journalist. I'm human. I make mistakes. But boy, you know, I, I more than any other journalist I've ever encountered, I really cannot afford to uh, have any more mistakes. One, two strikes, and you're definitely out in this business. Right, One right. strike, you should be out. I'm very lucky, and so 
I take that uh, second I, I don't want to spend the whole interview. Extremely inter- seriously. Yeah. I don't yeah. want to spend the whole interview shaming you for <laughs> Sorry, man. <laughs> nah, I'm not shaming. It's, it's crazy I like say that. you did a good thing. Ma- did Mario a good likes thing. it. Mario likes it. He, he goes on StubHub. He cheats at everything. And I he, take the shortcut and I love it. But you know, Michael, so, you did a good thing. It wouldn't have happened. You wouldn't be where you are today without setting yourself <laughs> apart. I think that, that kind of set your which, which is Montana. How did you end up in Montana? I grew up actually in Connecticut, in Stanford, Connecticut, and um, I always like the mountains. You know, I, I like cities, but I can't, uh, I can't live there. Um, I just had to find this, uh, you know, Chris Knight, the character in uh, Strange in the Woods, felt this drawing to be away from other people. That's not what I feel, but in- internally, whenever I saw the Rocky Mountains, I was like, I can't believe that these are real. I felt, I was like, I wonder what it, I, I can't, you know, every time I saw them, I was like, I'm, I'm thrilled. I feel happy inside, and so I moved to the Rocky Mountains. Some semi on a whim when I was 22 years old, and I am 48 years old and still living here with with some lots of travel in between. But uh, yeah, I just found a place I like, just like Chris and I, I found a place where I feel comfortable, where I feel at home. Right. Yeah. Now, uh, just getting back uh, quickly, you said that you didn't care that uh, if, whether Chris was your friend or not. Uh, I don't know. I'd, I think I'd have a hard time. Did you feel bad, like uh, when you when you went up to visit him in, in jail? And um, you just took a shot. You flew from Montana to Maine, even though he stopped uh, responding to your letters. And you just went there, and he met you. Were you surprised that he met you? And were you? Do you feel like a little annoyed, or or just something like he like, hey man, why does why doesn't he want to be my friend? Like you know, you're the only journalist he got back to when there was this like you know uh, uh, maelstrom of uh, people trying to get to him and stuff. And he never answered anybody except for you. Why you? And you don't, you don't, do you, do you not feel bad that he didn't want to be your friend? Good question. So, so briefly, you know, Chris Knight was arrested. He, you know, he told the, <laughs> the arresting officers just a few tantalizing tidbits. Yeah, I lived in the, alone in the woods without a fire, and I promise we'll get to the no fire bit. Uh, I lived <laughs> yes, in the woods without a fire, and you know, all these, I never, I stole a thousand books. I never, you know, spoke to another person. And according to his lawyer, some, something like 500 journalists, uh, tried to get in touch with him. He answered nobody. And I, I, I found out about Chris Knight here in Montana, just reading a, a newspaper article about him in which every single paragraph, my jaw was just like lower and lower and lower. And yeah. I'm like, I have to know more. I waited a month looking at the, uh, looking on the internet. He, the man said nothing. I wrote him a handwritten letter and he replied. Yeah. Uh, you seem to indicate why, man, you know, I don't really know for sure. Uh, my, it could be as simple as the fact that I actually wrote the letter, pen, paper, ink, the whole handwritten thing is very personal. It could yeah. be because, you know, I sent him my book about being fired uh, right away. Uh, it could be because he felt, you know, hey, here's another, you, you guys drew the parallels yourself. I, I tried to live this extremely honorable life, Chris Knight might have thought, by being this Herman, and I had to I had to steal to make it work. And, you know, I tried to live this honorable life as a, as a journalist, and I cheated to make it work. And maybe there was a weird kinship between us. We never really discussed it. Um, we wrote letters over the course of a summer and then I began visiting him in jail. And you mentioned, uh, was I surprised that he saw me? Well, I did fly from Montana to Maine to sit there in the waiting room of the jail right. to see if he would visit me. And I feel like, you know, I feel like maybe live from the barrage is like a different sort of show. I have been saying, generally speaking, that I was extremely surprised, but I think the real answer, or the less convenient answer, is a little deeper. Yeah, maybe it was less than 50% chance, so I was surprised, but I just had this sense that Chris Knight wanted to tell his story and that I was the person he should tell it to. 
And I don't mean that in a cocky way. I just mean it in a, I just, I never saw him as a freak show. He may have been one, but my gut was that this was a super intelligent man that just didn't fit into our society. And you know what? Our society is kind of crazy. Yeah. I don't, you know, I don't feel like I fit into it all the time either. I retreated to Montana, like the edge of it. I sort of, I don't know, my curiosity felt, and again, not to tap my, pat myself on the back too hard, it just kind of felt very pure and non, uh, I, I didn't have, I, I wasn't trying to pin this guy down to anything. You know, I, I just wanted yeah, to hear what he had to say. You, you I don't know, I feel like he felt that through my letters. You didn't want to make him into a cartoon character. Night, so. no, I wasn't surprised. I'm surprised you called into this show, quite frankly. I can't believe it. It gave us a live from the Barrage exclusive. It's hard to have a kinship. Exclusive. It's, it's, it's tough to have a kinship with somebody who is basically the only person in the world to have done this. Like, it's a, how do you relate to somebody who's, they, all, his, all of his experiences are completely exclusive to, like, the one guy. Like, like you asked him, you know, did I feel bad that we didn't become friends? Well, my answer to that is that this guy, if, if you do decide to take a look at the book, has a unique mind, a unique way of seeing the world. Lived a, he is such an outlier. He lived a life radically, radically different than that of literally anyone you will ever read about. And I mean that throughout all of history. You weren't yeah, I saw you wrote in the book that you think, anybody. He, you, you, you think he could arguably, arguably I can't speak, I'm, I apologize, be, uh, I spent the last 27 years in the woods and I'm trying to talk that, um, that he, he might be the most solitary guy in the, in the, in recorded history. Cause even if you go back, you know, in, before Christ, someone always had some kind of contact. People would bring you food. If you're a yeah. Buddhist monk or something like that, you'd, you'd see someone. Yeah. You check in, you know, this is why I was trying to, you know, when you were talking about listening to the radio stuff, I, I spent three, three years full time, working on this book and it's only 191 pages long. That's really slow. I spent one yeah. entire year, ask my poor wife, I uh, doing nothing but researching hermits throughout history. I just wanted to find, you know, the group of people that were as secluded as Chris Knight. And I hired uh, researchers and I read more than a hundred books plus 10,000 articles, not trying to brag here, just to show you that I never sure. found a single person. I'm starting from recorded history, 5,000 years ago up to yesterday who went 27 years without just someone checking up on you, yeah. uh, someone bringing you food, someone bringing a doctor by. There's got to be None. some Buddhist in Tibet that did it. Or some no, monk. I'm telling you, he's done his research. No, they, 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 always, they do 12-year cycles. Some of them do 12 years, but even during those 12 years, they have people come all the time to check up on you and make sure you're okay and even like have a conversation and a discussion. It's, it's, yeah. it's, it's truly mind-boggling. So I, I hate to ask the obvious question, and John, forgive me if this is a question for him, but i, I got to ask, why? Why did he do this? That's the I mean, that's not that's the, that's the ultimate question. Well, you'll have to read you know. the book. Yeah. <laughs> no, no, no. There's no answer. <laughs> it's so weird. Like nothing really happened in his life. He wasn't suicidal, right? He wasn't. Uh, me, his parents were relatively well adjusted, I guess. And like, he, yeah. So, I mean, that was my number one question. I wanted to know a lot of the nuts and bolts. I mean, I still feel like we have to talk about no fire. Like, how did you survive? But really, just to de- get a little deep here for a moment, why? You know, why would a dude? Yeah. Why would a guy, a 20-year-old guy, do such a radical thing? And as you just said, you know, my first, I, I'm sitting there in jail. I'm like, you know, uh, did you commit a crime that you wanted to run from? Was there abuse in your family? You know, this was this, this, this in, in central Maine, you know, did, were you uh, ashamed or, or confused about your sexuality? Was there some specific thing? 
And, he's, and he said, no, no, nothing like that. In fact, if, it, if you're feeling guilty or you commit the crime, you'll eventually get over it. It's not going to take you 27 years. He answered the why in a way that's both simple and I, and I feel quite profound. And many other people who have been hermits, and I, I told you I read all these books about hermits, have yeah. said the same thing. All of his life, or his young life, and he felt very uncomfortable around other people and felt this really strong internal tug, like I did to go to the mountains. He felt this internal tug, almost like a, like a magnetic pull yeah. um, to just be by himself. So the why is simple. He just felt like he needed to be alone. And then the further why is that I asked him, you know, so, so what did you freaking do? You know, he didn't really read that much. He, I mean, all the time he listened to a little bit of radio, he read, but mostly what he did is what you and I would call nothing. He just sat there. And let me tell you something. He said he loved it. Right. He said he was completely fulfilled, utterly happy, despite suffering like crazy during the winter. He found a spot and a lifestyle and a, this room in the woods, his campsite, that he made him really deeply happy. He said he was never for a moment bored. He was never for an instant lonely. In fact, he felt the opposite of loneliness. He felt utterly connected with wow. everything in the world. Hey, man, that's why he stayed. What are we all looking for? Life, liberty, pursuit of happiness? He found true liberty, true happiness, and an amazing life. And right, and, and then as society, you could be, we have to drag this poor guy out of the woods and throw him in jail. <laughs> we just have to do it. We can't have It's like the uh, undiscovered tribes. we got to go in there and start to find helicopters around. Do you, do, you th <laughs> do you think there are others out there that uh, we've never heard about? What is your feeling, and does Chris have any feelings about yeah, well, that? Does he think there might be other guys that we've called, never discovered? They're called, they're called Sasquatch, and we never see them. I was asking um, our guest, not Mario, oh, but thank you. I thought you asked Mario. <laughs> I mean, the subtitle of the book is The Extraordinary Story of the Last True Hermit. But to tell you the truth, if there's any word, if sentence in the whole book that's going to have any perhaps slight hyperbole on the cover, we don't know if he's truly the last true hermit. Now, there's now 7 billion people running around this planet, and this is the age of Facebook, Twitter, and everybody's got a phone in their pocket. So yeah. the chances of there being another one is very close to zero, but not zero. In fact, there are times where I just sort of wonder if somewhere in Alaska or somewhere in Patagonia, or maybe somewhere in your backyard, there is another one. Mario lives in my backyard. Lovely? <laughs> I've been there for 27 years. Mario's been living in my backyard for 27 years. Does, um, <laughs> so now, um, you know, do you want to talk about the irony a little bit of him becoming this folk hero and becoming ultra famous? And that's like the exact opposite of anything he's probably wanted in his entire life but i guess you know but he's willing to talk to someone he was willing to talk to you like do you think there is a need there to get his story out a little bit in his head maybe you know folk hero yeah i mean so he you know in terms of us not becoming friends i would i respected that because the guy was true to himself i don't want anyone to be false friends with me and in fact if we did become friends then he really wouldn't be the type of hermit he was so it didn't bother me now the irony, you know, once he was captured, it was this, this crazy cause celebre, and even the district attorney said that Chris Knight was now the most famous person in the state of Maine, the guy who wanted to be completely right. anonymous. <laughs> in addition to his myriad uh, you know, smarts, see, the guy, like I said, could talk anything from you know, thermodynamics to Shakespeare, uh, he also had, I believe, this sort of game theory in mind. He was getting hounded by journalists. I mean, we were all curious why. Why'd you do this? And how do you do this? And are you lying? You know, what's going to happen next? Um, I think he believed this, that if he told one person his story, and he didn't answer every question I asked, he 
told me exactly what he wanted to say. And, you know, a guy who's going to be quiet for 27 years and somebody could cajole into talking. He told me his story and asked for nothing in return. No money. He didn't want money. Money is a form of connection and friendship. Uh, there's money right. People did try to give him money for his bail and stuff, and he also refused yeah. that. I tell everyone to donate, please, to the Pine Tree Camp from which he stole. And it's a, a summer camp for um, adults and children with mental and physical disabilities. A great program right uh, north of Anyway. Right. He, he told me a story and asked for no money in return, except he did ask for one thing in return, which is that when he was through telling me what he wanted to tell me, he asked me and everyone else to leave him alone. I think he feels on some level, I think he feels on some level that um, by telling his story once, by having a book out, he can, in a weird way, achieve more anonymity. He goes like, this is my book. This is what I had to say. You read this or look at this and leave me alone. And, and, and the right. people of Central Maine are, are really kind. And, and he, has, he has been left alone. And uh, you know, he made this decision to tell, to tell the book to me. And it's a, it was a gift he gave me that I do not take lightly. I didn't write the book for him, but I labored over every sentence to make it as true as possible. Right. And the amount of research and, and work that went into this book, didn't you uh, mention that he was a little upset that the book was too short? <laughs> like he expected this long book? I guess when you when you live in the woods alone, you can you have time to read a, um, the Executioner's Song or something like that. You know, it's thousands of pages. And you you know your, your book isn't, isn't short, but it's, it's not long. No, it's, it's funny. So, you know, Chris Knight truly gave me permission to be his biographer. In fact, he said to me, you're my Boswell, um, in reference to the person who wrote Life of Samuel Johnson, one of the more famous biographies in literature. And, you know, we, we did a lot of book talk, and I told him, oh, you know, Boswell wrote a thousand-page biographies. I think this is going to be short. And he said, oh, you know, I, I actually would like it to be rather long. So in addition to Chris Knight, he was this combination of, you know, very humble and said he deserved to be in jail, but also, let's just be honest. Right, he doesn't he seem... Had, he had some grandiosity. He lived life way beyond anything anybody else can imagine. I think he felt smarter than everyone else on some level. Right. And he might actually be smarter than everyone else. You keep, you mentioned his intelligence uh, multiple times, and for multiple. me, like, I'm, I'm surprised that, like, okay, you can be, uh, you can gain intelligence from, uh, first of all, genetics. He was smart probably when he started out, but then he he's out there by himself reading books all day absorbing all this information but to not have anyone to bounce things off of ideas that's how you come up with new ideas and new ways of thinking of stuff is when you talk to someone else and you go i haven't thought of it thought of it that way or maybe some just another person's word you know brings some another idea into your mind without that i mean it's 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 a strange kind of intelligence and which is reflected in when he goes to jail and uh, the guys tell him in jail, like, you talk like a book because he doesn't use contractions hardly and he never uses swear words and he's, you know, he just uh, talks like a book. I mean, there's many boggling, mind-boggling aspects to this story. It's like, I mean, anthropologists say that the reason why humans dominate the world is now we're not the fastest animal and we're certainly not the strongest. It's just that we're smart, but even more so, we can link our brains up. We can work together. It's like we are literally wired to work together. There's been study after study showing that just humans really despise being by themselves. I mean, people just don't spend much time alone. That solitary confinement is like the worst punishment you can get in jail short of the electric chair. I mean, we hate it. It's torture. Oh, yeah. Uh, I'd say it's worse. Against international law. People go crazy. Put someone in solitary confinement. Social yeah. interaction is, uh, is one of the ma main basic human instincts. You know, people uh, lose their mind in right. solitary because you're so used to uh, you right. know, having solitary. You know, throughout history, there's just been a, this tiny stream of people uh, 
that have existed at all times across all cultures, it's true, that have, have felt exactly the opposite. It felt like Chris Knight felt this tug to be alone. And here you have a guy that did 27 years alone and read all these books and has a big mind. And one of the things I find fascinating, it's like it's, it's, like it's, it's the closest will come to like finding a Martian or, 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 you know, you mentioned these uncontacted tribes. It's like, but he was alone. And so he like sort of reinvented his whole world after the age of 20. And what he managed to invent and create and think was actually brilliant. Do you and th- do that's you, what I find fascinating about the book. Do you, you know, know? It's like that story. It's like he really came up with some good stuff. Do you know for certain if he's read it? I feel like he will, if he, I feel like he will read it because he's a book guy and it's about him, but you don't know, right? He, didn't he stop uh, communicating with you? Yeah, so here's, here's the deal. You know, as soon as the book was finished, which was a little before Christmas, I mailed him the earliest possible copy. And I heard what I expected to hear, which was nothing. Right. However, <laughs> I mean, he's a hermit. However, uh, and, beautiful and how much of a prick you know. Uh, you know, go away, he told me, and I said, if, if you got more to say, will you write me a letter? And he, he said, absolutely, and that's been more close to two years, and I haven't heard anything, but I right. had written a magazine article about him previously for GQ magazine, yeah. mm-hmm. and I sent him an early copy of the article, and I heard nothing back, but I was able to see him after the article came out, and he said he had read it, so this is a good hint, and the article had the same tone as the book. Obviously, the book is a fully complete story, yeah. and the article is just like a little tidbit, a little, like, movie trailer compared to the movie, but he said there were parts he liked about the article and parts he didn't, but he said something pretty profound to me, which is that he respected it. Yeah. And uh, I really hope and believe, uh, first of all, I really strongly feel he's probably read, he's read the book, come on, man. The guy's did a reader, you, did, did, got an Right, well, you have his address, did you send him, do you have his, uh, do you, you don't, he's not in jail anymore, do you have, you don't, you don't have his address, you didn't mail him a book? Yeah, it's 1313 Mockingbird oh, oh. Lane. <laughs> you don't have to, you have to be checked behind the bar in the garage there, Doug? Yeah, there's a little troll under there. <laughs> so you didn't send him an actual physical copy of the book? Yeah, he yeah, did. He, he, so said he, he said... served, you know, not to give too much away, but here we are in the garage, just kind of spilling the beans. You know, he served only seven months in jail, but was given a very strong probation, uh, where if he broke any laws, he would be put to the state penitentiary for possibly seven years. Right. For the um, audience, uh, he's, then, it's a thousand burglaries, each one a felony, I believe, or over a thousand. So, I mean, you know, that he could... Yeah, statute limitations uh, expired on most of them for only six years. Right. Most people did not call the police when he, when they saw that their hamburger was... Yeah, I mean, you wouldn't, uh, you know, for the, they just like let it go. For the audience who hasn't, who, guilty to 13. Uh, what were for the audience who hasn't read the book, he would, uh, Mario, he would steal like, you know, he'd steal food, he'd steal small things, he wouldn't steal a Rolex, he'd steal the Armatron. He's like Yogi Bear. Yeah, he, uh, yeah he's like Yogi Bear. <laughs> You know, he would steal things that were inconsequential. He wouldn't, you know, damage anything. He wouldn't take the TV off the wall. So when people saw that, like, um, yeah, their, their, uh, Ice pops or candy was missing, but the TV was still there. I think a lot of people just say, you know, but but then there's another element. I'm getting off topic here and I'm interrupting Mike, but uh, the other element, I I find this stuff fascinating. The other element is that you forget about the, I don't know if he thought about the ethical problems of like, uh, say like me and you, Ryan, lived in a cabin together and all of a sudden like like your sandwich is missing and there's no one to blame and no trace of anything and no footprints and like we start blaming each other and next thing you know we were fighting and we're not friends anymore. Things like this didn't happen. But it was me sneaking in from the yard, (laughs) stealing the sandwiches. It's another aspect that you have to think about I mean, too. One of the one of the myriad of one of the one of the, another like fascinating thing I put in the book is like you just said people's reaction 
tonight, both the legend before and after. Like, you're, you're right. You know, flashlights and your Stephen King novel are not going to kill you if they're missing. Right. But it wasn't really the it wasn't really that that drove people crazy. He also stole people's sense of security and right. their peace of mind. Exactly. And that you can't put a price tag on. And I don't like I said, I don't. Chris Knight doesn't want to be made. It doesn't want to be made into a hero. He said to me, "Take the good with the bad." He said he was a thief. The book itself does not shy away from people saying, "Like he is the worst thing that ever happened to them in their lives." They were invaded. They worked hard. This lazy bum in the woods. You know, they worked hard to buy this second home so they could get away from the pressures of the world. And here's this guy haunting them and stealing everything that they worked hard to get. And they're not wrong. Right, but there were other people on the same pond with the same amount of stealing. He said to me, "Dude, Mike, after the first time he broke in, didn't break any glass, left every valuable around." That one guy freaked out because he, he lost a little knapsack, and that's where he had kept his family's passports. And freaked out, and then opened the cabinet, and the passports were put on a shelf. He just wanted the knapsack. Um, they said, "Listen, man, he was no more trouble than the seasonal housewives." My heart went out to him. I knew. I just knew in my gut this was nothing. Not a big deal. Right. He lived on private property. And the homeowner, the landowner, who I, I, you know, it's a woman. I said to her, you must have been freaked out that some strange guy was living uninvited, unknown on your land. Which, by the way, by the, way the woods are so incredibly thick. It makes complete sense if he just stepped in there. And for 25 years, how do you feel about that? And I thought she was going to go off on him. And she said to me, I couldn't care less. Wow! If I had come, ac- if I had come across his site, I probably would have just let him stay oh, there. Maine's a qu- kind you know, of so quirky it, place, anyway. Was there an? Uh, yeah, was, I, I, was there a particular urban legend to him? Oh, like yeah. people knew he was out there, and there was oh, stories geez. and so, sightings and things like that. People, uh, yeah, on. another a totally another element of the story. He became like they didn't even know if it was a man, a woman, a a, a gang of people. Uh, they really people thought it was. Uh, uh, like one of the one of the one of the cabin owners who was just a misanthrope and just wanted to steal it, but they gave him the name the North Pond Hermit. The North Pond Hermit. Was, you know, myths. There were songs. People, wow. at least three people I met wrote college papers about him. People grew up. Remember, twenty-seven years this isn't like a long weekend here. Twenty-seven years. People spent their whole life like listening to hermit stories and then had kids of their own and told them hermit stories. <laughs> <laughs> I can imagine thing, the campfire you know? stories in that neck of the woods. Yeah, well, yeah. Yeah, so when they found exactly. him, everybody was like, holy shit, this is a, there he is. That's, that's fucking and him right imagine, there. Yeah, imagine being in Kathmandu one day and the freaking Yeti actually strolls into town. Or imagine being in you know, Ireland or, or Scotland Sorry, one day, and like this Bolanosaurus comes out of Loch Ness, and it's like, <laughs> that's not going to happen. But right. this really did in Maine. Like the, the, the freaking Yeti came out of the woods. <laughs> and he wasn't. He didn't Let's have see. a long beard. He didn't have ratty <laughs> right, clothes. It was, it was Bob Seger. He was wearing your clothes, and he had no beard. He was <laughs> clean shaven. And the irony is he goes to jail, and he starts growing a beard. Now the legend even grows even more, because now he's got this beard to tell. Like a, He's using it as kind of a calendar of his jail time. I don't want to give the... I'm giving the whole book away here. Buy the book. It's great. Uh, <laughs> What's the title again? It's called <laughs> The Stranger in the Woods. Ah, I'm it's by get Mike, that Mike Finkel, and you can buy that anywhere you like. The um, It's from Random House. Fine like bookstores, not-so-fine bookstores, not, crappy bookstores, right. anyone. <laughs> the Stranger in the Woods. Garage sales, <laughs> everywhere you can. Your library. <laughs> Michael, I And he's a... growing this beard in jail as a timeline of his, and he finally, you know, and then now people see him, and they go, well, there's the hermit guy. He's got a beard, for God's <laughs> sakes. <you know? laughs> and the legend just grows. Did he, he just, make friends in jail? He wanted to be a hipster. No, he had a hard time. Did he? No, no. As you can imagine, though Chris Knight told me repeatedly, 
he deserved to be in jail. As you can imagine, a guy who just had the ultimate freedom and autonomy of the forest is now locked in a cage with another person. With another no, guy, he had a yeah. terrible time in jail. He had a ter- hard time sleeping. He had a hard time getting used to the yeah. light because, I mean, in the, if you're in the Maine woods, when the sun goes down, the sun goes down. It's over. There's, oh. It's black, right? And you can imagine with no fire. And it's just got to be blackness. And then On a in, moonless night, it's crazy dark. It's, and and he was living in a place no that was you know, covered with tree branches, so he was really, it was very dark. Yeah, and in jail, they right. just kind of dim the lights a little, I think. so. Yeah, you can't yeah. believe there's no yeah, fire. But, we should get into the fire. What about the fire? Oh, let's go fire. Let's, let's go fire. fire. <laughs> well, the basic, the basic thing is he was obsessive about no one ever finding him. His plan was for me to never write The Stranger in the Woods. He wanted no books. He was going to live his entire life in, in private until he died. And uh, what I think about that too, just like no one would ever find him, and the forest, yeah. forest would eventually consume his body and everything else, and he would just—no one would ever know. And I just wow. love that thought. Uh, no fire. He thought that smoke uh, correctly. Smoke would give his campsite away. The police looked for him off and on for twenty-something years. Um, he was so no fire, and I went to his site eight times and spent the night there five times. Oh, wow. I cool. looked. For this, I, I just wanted to over, I just wanted to catch him in a lie, so I knew that his story would fall apart. I never found a charred piece of wood. I never found one shred of evidence to refute a single thing he ever said. The police officers that interviewed him basically said, "Listen, man, our whole lives are spent being lied to by people. We know." And this guy was is telling, telling the truth. The truth. He admitted yeah. to a thousand felonies. He like he had nothing to hide. He was not trying to show off. You were he there. Didn't lie. You were there in the summer or in the winter with him. Were you ever there when it was cold was at it. night? What'd you do it at wasn't night? He wasn't with him. He just went by, by, he went spent by himself. He spent five nights, he said. Not with him. Yeah, night was in jail. When I, no one knew about it. Until he got out. Yeah. Oh, but you didn't go to um, his homestead or where he camped out. Yes, that's where he went. So was it cold at night? <laughs> How did you do it? I went there all four seasons and. Um, I went always by myself because that's how Chris Knight, you know, Chris Knight spent 10,000 days there. I spent 9,995 fewer days there. But always by myself and really cold. Yeah, I didn't light a fire either, but I was freezing. It was just one night. You know how how they do it. I put on thick straps and put my hands over my balls and spent the night, you know, shivering. (laughs) Thank you for, by the way, thank you for including a map in the front of the book. I love books that have a map on the first page so I can constantly go back and reference it. Except Lord of the Rings. Yeah, Ryan, you could see the picture of the camp here, too. Oh, yeah, let me take a look. The camp, you know, is quite quite sloppy. I, I, I don't. It's not like he's like a, a carved out a tree trunk or anything. He's got the, you know. It's well, like yeah. I mean, if you see photos on the internet of the camp, it looks like a mess because the police came and ripped it apart. Uh, but right, there right. are police photos which I have, and I've been showing them at some of my slideshows. And I decided not to put them in the book just for the reason that it, it, it just any single picture doesn't do justice, and whatever you hold in your mind, I think, is richer, especially when you're reading a book. Um, I, I think you made the right but, uh, decision. He was with very precise and neat while he lived there, but the police ripped it apart immediately. Yeah. So it looks like a mm. freaking mess. Freaking cops messing everything up. <laughs> Looking for evidence. It looks, it looks like on the map he has an underground bunker. <laughs> so what? Uh, so so how does he how does he live when, when it's when it's this cold? What, what, give us the fire. We want the fire. Yeah, let's get to the let's get let's get to the uh, the the. the the survival aspect, we talked about the why, but the how is kind of fascinating. Like, how do you survive? I mean, the main winters are so far beyond brutal. Like, listen, I, I spent 27 years, which is just as long as Chris spent in the woods, uh, living in Montana. I know cold, but the uh, cold in Maine is even worse. You get that water, wet cold, which just oh, just gets right to your skin. So, you know, I asked him, did you just, you, you, since you didn't want to even make a footprint, just listen to this for a sec. You didn't want to make a footprint. In November, right before the first snows came, he would do an extended 
series of thieving raids in which he would stock up food like an animal and compared himself to an animal often for a winter. And ideally, because you can't walk on snow without leaving a track, not even Chris Knight could do that. Ideally, he would stay in this small clearing in the woods without leaving the clearing for six months all of the winter. That's, a, that's a hard to get your head around. Wow. Didn't even move. Yeah, he, would st- he would stock, but, stock up in the fall and the guy just really never leave. He's Yogi Bear. He's like a yeah. bear. And so I said to him, you know, you know, when it got cold and it gets below negative 20, like every winter, and we're not even talking wind chill, it gets cold. And I said to him, did you just, you know, you stole a bunch of sleeping bags. Did you just cocoon yourself, huddle yourself up into this ball like I would be doing? And he had this way of sort of expressing that my, my thoughts were stupid. He didn't like to make eye contact, but every once in a while he would slide his eyes over to me and give me this like long, disappointed blink. And I knew that I had said something dumb. Remember we talked about his brain and how he was able to survive so long. He knows that the human body, no matter how cold it is, produces condensation. We breathe. We can't help it. We make condensation. And in the depth of cold, that condensation freezes. And starting at your fingers and toes, hypothermia marches to your heart and kills you. People die of hypothermia. They do. This guy, every single night in winter, he he wasn't sure what year it was and had to guess at the decade, but he stole these... uh, these um, old, old these watches, um, what do you call those? They're not electronic. They're, you know. Digital? Rotary dial, whatever you oh, call yeah. them. Analog. <laughs> analog watches. Yeah, analog watches. Thanks, I lost that word. He stole uh, analog watches until he knew the hour and minute. He got up every day in winter at 2.30. Uh-oh. We lost. Shit. <laughs> Are you there? And when you and I would, uh, would like, huddle in. Yeah, oh, can you back hear me? up, back up. We Sorry, I lost you, you for a second. Yeah, he went to a 2.30. Oh, yeah. 2.30 in the morning, I apologize. At 2.30 in the morning, he would get up, and when you or I would huddle in our sleeping bags, freezing cold, shivering, he got out of his tent and paced the perimeter of his small site. Yeah. He would fire up his little camp stove to melt some snow for drinking water, and he paced the outside of that site all night, every night, all winter, for 27 winters, and never lost so much as a fingernail to frostbite. It's incredible. Jesus Lord. I know better him than me. I, I'm just not that tough, even like in the same. I'm not even in the universe. The the the, the pull, the desire to even start just the small. All right, I'm just. It's so cold. I'm going to start this little small fire. It won't be that much smoke, you know. Just to, I'll start a, a small. And most survival guys start a, a tiny little smoldering fire the that they can keep going. It's not some roaring campfire. There's just a little smoldering, a couple logs. You keep it burning. You can cook on the coal. I mean, it just makes all the difference. Just a little heat, that, unbelievable. That detail, which in which he, you know, completely sacrificed his own life for to stop me uh, from keep from being found is that's incredible that he went to that length to never he decided that he would rather die than be discovered and he nearly Uh, did many many winters he said he sometimes ran out of food he ran out of a little propane and he couldn't really use the propane for heat you put that in the tent you die he just you know i guess it was a little warm water when he he melted the snow but really nothing yeah uh he he made these rules to live by and they were when this guy with this mind that was very sharp, and when he made a decision, it was ironclad. That's dedication. And, uh, he says, "Yeah, to say, times like a thousand. <laughs> yeah, right. You think you're dedicated? And, going to the gym once a week? Try live, try living like this guy. And, and think about this: that there was like hot showers, like a five minute walk away. It's almost more startling than if he was in the middle of Alaska with no help around. But he could have just walked four minutes. Did he ever broke uh, into a cabin? Did he ever uh, take a shower in one of the cabins or anything like that? Did he, he brush his he teeth? He insisted to me." In no uncertain terms, 
that he never once did that. Now, you can't right. prove a negative, but boy, yeah. all you have to do is find <laughs> one game camera photo, and people started putting security cameras all over the place. Yeah. You find one photo that shows him in the shower, one photo <laughs> sleeping in someone's bed, then his whole story falls apart immediately, and none of that was ever found in all my research and in 27 years. So what let's just say he's telling the truth. What shape were his teeth in? Good question. You know, he never got sick once in the woods, and the reason why he never got sick is because you know, humans pass germs to each other, and you know you don't hang out with humans, you don't get their germs. Yep. You can get cancer or something like that. Yeah. No sickness, but you no know, seeing a dentist. Uh, his diet wasn't great. He sold. He didn't get to choose food. He had to choose from what other people already chose, and uh, he, that was possibly his worst uh, medical issue. Where some of his teeth started to rot. Although. When I met him afterwards, I think he just had one tooth removed and, and he had him cleaned it. You know, really? Oh, really? my God. He, he never had to remove a very tooth strong. himself out there or anything? And, and, and in 27 years, he never had a uh, major injury or anything? Did he break a leg? Did he, he slipped on the he, No. He slipped on the ice a few times. He One time he told me the worst injury was he hit his arm so hard he couldn't pick up a cup for a month, and that was, that it, was it. nothing. I, you know, running around those... my eight times there, I fell really hard once and yeah. smacked my head on a rock and thought I was going to lose consciousness. It, it, he is... He is, he is an outlier. I don't, to, I, mean, to, I don't even know what to tell you. It's like, I love reading yarns about strange people, but this is like, I could be a journalist for 200 years. I'll never come to be out, to be like out there for 27 near, years in a, running around in, in this uh, dense woods and not like at have, night. Ha, have your face or, or your leg or your arm gashed open and risk infection or something. Do you think if he ever like got really, really hurt, he would try to, uh, to seek help or would he just stay out there and die? Like Another people, great question. Um, I asked him that for the first 10 or so years of his solitude, he said he had made up this, um, emergency system where he had this whistle in his camp. And again, I told you he wasn't in the woods. So if he blew this whistle really loudly, he said in sequences of three, like tweet, 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 like SOS, SOS like tweet, yeah. tweet, tweet. He said, if he blew on it long enough, it was probably a good chance someone would hear him. Yeah. But after about 10 years or so. He told me that he decided, forget the whistle. I'm going to, I'm going to just use faith. Like he lived very much with like whatever happens happens. Like I asked him about catching Lyme disease or getting cancer, or like you said, teeth. Like whatever happens, it's okay. And he decided if if he was going to die out there, then he would just die out there without without whistling. Wow. And, so if uh, he never really, did, if he never he, did. If he really like you know had a deep uh, gash on his thigh or something, something that obviously needed attention, he was just going to let fate take care of it. Yeah, that's incredible, man. That's, that's I don't know. I mean, did he do? Yeah. Did he know anything about herbal medicines? Or did he use the plant life? Did he have any knowledge of like living off the land, or yeah. did he just steal yeah, picnic baskets? Yeah, a lot of people have criticized him for not hunting and fishing, <laughs> and he actually grew up in a family and was quite an able uh, hunter and fisherman. Yeah, he's got the pond right quite, there. Yeah, uh, go know, ahead. He compared himself often to animals. Can you hear me? Okay. Yes, I can. Sorry. Go ahead. I apologize. I, I, I'm in Montana, you know. Yeah, yeah you sound good. We, you just sound got, good. we just got cell phones the other day. <laughs> uh, no, um, he, he, he compared himself to animals quite frequently, and when he compared himself to animals, he meant it as a self-compliment, you know, getting fat before winter, et cetera. Now, efficiency is something he talked about. Um, like right here in Montana, when I leave my garbage cans out, when the bears are coming out of hibernation, they freaking pull my garbage can apart. Well, why don't they go sit in the woods and pick berries? Because my garbage can is a hell of a lot more efficient. Sure. And Chris Knight was alone. Even ancient humans did not hunt all the time alone. You need help. He realized that you know to live out there in that kind of 
temperature. You need to be very efficient. You cannot waste an ounce of extra energy. And he realized that if people are going to, if he could become, he could outsmart people. He decided not to ever rob from a full-time home. In a thousand break-ins, only one time did he disturb someone inside a cabin, and that was a mistake. Right. Uh, He picks locks like Houdini, never broke a window, and it was just much more efficient to steal. It made almost more sense to steal than it did to hunt and fish. It's what and an my, animal would do. You just go with the energy. I, I can relate because uh, I eat out of the garbage all the time. Mario does eat out of the garbage <laughs> all the time. He is. He is a hunter gatherer. He, he is the cheapest Very man efficient. ever. I've, he, he has gone through my garbage to get, like, grab pretzels. Hey, like he thinks. You want to write about a book about somebody who spends no money and gets and is oblivious to life? You can follow me. Around <laughs> <for two months. laughs> I'll be. I'll be there. I'll be there uh, with yeah, my tape uh, recorder. <laughs> The stranger in my garage. It'll be the New York Times worst seller. I like how when we're getting back to when uh, people sort of accepted that he was just a part of life, like you say, the seasons or mosquitoes or anything else that they weren't. He wasn't really harming them. That he had a. They started. People started um, putting out specific things. Like uh, they knew he. Like he didn't, they knew he preferred Bud Heavies over Bud Lights. And like they well, they would put out these bags on doorknobs, and he wouldn't take those. Why wouldn't he just take that food? Instead of breaking okay, into the so, house. Yeah, yeah, I mean, like, people like, people have this personal relationship with this myth. Like, I mean, yeah. like you said, uh, you know, they, they knew he, still, he stole tidy whiteies, not boxers. You know, right. they knew what underwear he was wearing. That's kind of weird. They left the Steely um, Dan album instead of the ACDC album out there. Yeah, yeah. Right, right. They knew it was musical. I think it's like, and this is a myth. We're talking about the lock, you know, what kind of underwear the Loch Ness Monster wears, you know. Um, so... People, the people of Central Maine are just as kind-hearted and as and as giving and caring as anyone you will meet. All, almost every single person, whether they hated Chris Knight or not, said all I had to do was ask, and of course I would give. Sure, so it's some people like helping out your neighbor yeah. kind of thing. Yeah, I mean, especially in a wintry place like that. Every, you know, my car got caught in the ditch. The next car automatically came by, stopped, and pushed me out. It's that's Central Maine for you. It's just a beautiful part of the world, both both with both both in its scenery and in its people. Um, so of course they're like, you know, we're gonna hang, you know, we'll put some food out, like a like a school fundraiser. Even some people put some books out, and he and, and some people put like a pen out and said, just leave me a shopping list. I'll buy exactly what you want. And he never touched any of that stuff. So the question is why? Well, the man was playing the long game. You know, this wasn't a overnighter. This was twenty seven years. If there was a a one in ten thousand chance that someone would put some poison in that food, right? Or it was a trap. Yep. Or just was it, you know, even though 99.9% chance it wasn't, that's not good enough. This is like, I wouldn't make a, wouldn't make one fire, one tendril of smoke, one footprint. It just, you, the problem with a secret, guys, is that once it's over, it's over forever. Right. Yeah. And he was a, you know, he was fanatically cautious. And so even though he knew in his heart that almost all of these people were doing the right, what if the police put it out, you know, and so, you know, it, it just. Right. What if they put a what tracking if was like device a tracing there unit yeah. in, in the ham? You know, yeah, uh, and, and so he just couldn't risk it. But he did. Yeah. He did like to raid the liquor cabinets. He, did he talk to you about drinking and all? And how like uh, because you think that a guy like that, without access to cigarettes or drugs or anything, would would like uh, you know, with his discipline and the type of life he led, would like bypass the beer. But no, he he grabbed the beers. <laughs> he, he admitted to me that he didn't mind. In fact, he said he liked the feeling of inebriation, but it was secondary. Right before right. the first snows came. He had this intense mission, and he had to get as fat as possible. And boys, you probably are not shocked to hear this. Drinking a lot of booze makes you fat sure. fast. What? Really? And, <laughs> um, and he, 
he only drank the uh, alcohol at a certain time of year, which was November, to get fat. He, he did say, like I said, he, you know, he's not lying. He said, you know, he sold soda too, but he liked the feeling of being drunk, but it was, it was secondary to get it. He, he would literally eat like a pound of sugar. This is why he would drink uh, to get fat, 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 very fast like an animal because he wouldn't move from his site for all those months and his fat would just get slowly eaten away over the course of those months. And there were times, like I said, he nearly starved to death and still didn't come out. Do you think it was exciting for him to break into these places? The, the, the only social interaction he had was kind of this, uh, um, you know, uh, I mean, skewed social interaction. Like he's, he's interacting with people without ever having to talk to them. I'm going to say no. He no, hated it's just it. pure survival. Um, again, I'm taking his word to be true, but again, I never refuted anything. He really hated to steal. He, it made him nervous. It, it was the one time where the, the chances of being caught was so great, much greater, like 10 times greater than anything. Or maybe a police officer's hiding, which people did do that. Uh, they hid in their houses in the dark and put their car somewhere else to make it seem like no one was there. He knew people were trying to capture him. He saw all the, you know, before before our security cameras got too small, he saw how many security cameras were out. He saw people put electric eyes to make their lights flare. Mm -hmm. So, no, he hated it. He didn't like it. He wished that he could come up with a legal way to get food without anybody knowing where he was. Um, and, you know, that was yeah. efficient so, uh, to, you know, couldn't launch fish, I, spent, I explained earlier, because the energy requirements, uh, he hated it, but he, you know, again, he made the decision. He was going to steal. He made a code. He would sooner die than break into a full-time home. He would sooner die than smash your window. He, he had a code. He didn't take, ever take anything that he thought was valuable. Sometimes he took some things that had sentimental value. I have a theory. Um, you don't think that um, you don't think that um, him breaking into homes or uh, was kind of some kind of secondary social interaction to supplement. No, uh, what, right, he, okay. he, I think if he if, if like. Out of the heavens dropped, you know, 10 years worth of food into a site. He never would have left it yeah, for 10 years. Right. Like he, I, no, not I at a, all. I, my theory about why he never takes the food that's hanging on the doorknobs is because it probably seems like a trap. Like yeah. somebody's oh, waiting for exactly. him to show up. And did he? Oh, sorry. Yeah. Uh, I, well, I there, there was talk about people because people, people who are like afraid of the hermit go, well, we'll put rat poison in the food or something like that. You know, because you don't know. Right, right. You have no vision of what the guy is. And you, if you have kids or something, one guy sat in his house for like uh, two weeks with, a, with his gun and, at night waiting and, he, and yeah. he never showed up. I don't I mean, you could easily, I guess, be killed. If you have kids and stuff and you have this nightmare thing in the woods, you don't know what the hell it is. You want to shoot it, probably. Everyone's got a gun up there, right? <laughs> yeah, I mean, the, the, you know, re reactions to this guy were all over the map between, yeah, I'm going to hide in the dark in my house for two weeks. This guy did with my gun cocked. I'm ready to catch you. And there were other people who were like, fine, man. I didn't even lock my door. Just, it's fine, whatever. He's not, you know, it's, it's people's reactions. And he wasn't, he didn't have any, uh, what about animal interaction? I mean, is that bear country up there? I would assume. He's not, you know, the woods, just really briefly, you know, People said, how, how, how could it be possible that nobody came across his site on private property, you know, in a place with 300 cabins for, for 25 years? I'm telling you, one step into the woods and you'll understand it is like a Brillo pad. It is the craziest, thickest, most impenetrable woods. Most deer didn't even go through there. He saw once a bear, once the hindquarters of a mountain lion, you know, lots of rabbits. He had a mouse problem for years. Um, but no... Uh, for the most part, if you're in your sight in the woods, animals are not going to come in. Right. Wow, day. one bear, one bear, and one mountain lion in 27 years. Yeah, that's that's, that's my biggest fear of of doing that. It was it would be like animal. I don't know why. I, I'm afraid of like like the animals. To me, it would be like the hermit in the woods. I don't know what's out there. It's the fear of the unknown, and that would scare me more than like 
freezing to death. You know, freezing to death is something you can control. Eating is something you can control to 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 an extent. I mean, like he like he did. Um, a bear coming into your tent and just killing you is not something I would be able to control. To uh, you know that that's that's what scares yeah, that me. But really I guess happen. it's not a concern. Hmm. Did he I'm going. That's it. That seals it. I'm going to the woods. <laughs> did he eat mice? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I've seen bear bear many times here in Montana. He didn't set up what, very exciting, but I'm not afraid of him. He I'm didn't. More afraid of he didn't set up uh, deadfall traps and uh, kill rabbits and mice and stuff like that. No, again, that's really inefficient and didn't have a good way to cook them. Um, right. He did have this thing that he called his upper cache. Uh, he hid in, I, I, I finally found it, it took forever. Uh, he hid in this buried uh, garbage bin, like a, a, a backup tent, a backup sleeping bag, and a little bit of survival supplies in case someone stumbled upon his site and he would know much in advance because nobody walked through the woods silently except yeah, for him. It's right. one of those thrashy loud woods and he could abandon his site in an instant hide out in the dense forest until the person left and then start again he had a go uh, he bag to do that but he go was bag, there yeah. he had a go bag he had a, a yeah. way to escape to the place he escaped from the funny what you, you were yeah, talking yeah, he, was, he, was, he was legit you know he was going to go for it in, in a way that man if you're a survivalist or something you could take a couple of notes from his the way he did it pretty interesting you were talking a lot about how he got through the winters uh, I know it sounds a lot easier on the surface, but how did he get through the summers with the heat? And I'm sure it's high season where there's mosquitoes. a lot more, a lot more people around. Mosquitoes, as John just mentioned, is a very good point. Well, you know, he had a secret for when there were a lot of bugs, and I think I'll share it with you here. You ready? Sure. sure. Bugs. Bug spray. Bug spray. Bug spray. I love that answer he gave you. Like, you know, the whole time Mike's like, oh, man, how did he deal with the bugs? How did he deal with the bugs? And he asked him, and the guy goes, bug spray. <laughs> Stole it. He's a simple, uh, like he's a plain spoken truth man, a uh, truthful man. <laughs> that was available in every cabin. Yeah. I mean, yeah. He, he actually, I, the one time I met him after uh, he was released from jail at his house, we had an intense conversation. It was quite mosquito season, and I was slapping and itching, and I noticed that he didn't do any of that. So he certainly had a natural zen like way of not dealing with just minor nuisance bugs, but when the uh, black flies get thick in Maine and they can get terrible there, he just plain simple. Well, when, when, you, when, you, when you went down to Africa and reported from there, was there, were there a lot of flies and people just like completely ignore them? Like It's, not a, it's just a, not a... Yeah. Not yeah, a thing. The worst I've ever had was in Alaska, actually, when, uh, when mosquito season's there. It's just, I don't think I've ever had anything worse. And you try and reach some sort of zen, but then you just eventually start spazzing. <laughs> yeah, I've had it. I've had it. You know, Mario's covered in flies I've all the time. Been so, <laughs> He's like I've never pen. been so petrified when I went to Sicily for the first time. I'm a little kid. And I'm watching these old people with no teeth, and the flies are on their eyeballs. Oh. And I'm like, how ah, the hell are they doing In this? In Sicily? It scarred me for life. <laughs> <laughs> My people. <laughs> Listen, Mike, is it uh, would it give away too much if we talked about how he finally got caught, or is that yeah? Just... Let's see. You know, we don't give away. We gave away the whole book already. We've been on the phone with the poor guy for an hour and ten minutes. He's probably ready to, to you know, hang himself. I do want to know how. Thank you for you haven't given away the whole book because the truth is, you know, the the, the elements of the plot. Dude lives for twenty seven years, and uh, you know, uh, and again, the name of the book is "The Stranger in the Woods." Stranger I mean, in the really, Woods. Really, the heart of the book to me is how Chris Knight himself explains it and i'm really not tr- and he had a beautiful way of speaking and i i'm just paraphrasing like i find that to be the the most interesting part is you know i really want to know people have to read chris knight's story more or less i channeled his own words i took a step back i didn't want to 
overwrite this. Let's let the dude's story be. You know, I, I sprinkled it in with other interviews, but I want you to see what he says. And I really, you know, my name is Michael Finkel. My website's michaelfinkel.com. Send me a note. Tell me what, how you yeah. feel about uh, go to Chris Knight. Yeah. Go to Michael Finkel. Do you like him? Is he a hero? Is he a villain? Something in between? Let me know. Go to michaelfinkel.com and uh, voice your opinion directly to Michael. He'll probably answer you like he answered us. And uh, <laughs> go get the book, The Stranger in the Woods. Uh, yeah. I answer everybody. Take, even if you say I hate your guts, I'll be like, yeah. Sometimes I do too. <laughs> um, you know, uh, you know, you can hit my hit my contact me, and I've, you know, it takes me sometimes a little while to, to dig out of the, the inflow, but I, I'll get back to everybody. One of the most yeah. interesting uh, parts of the book to me is that the book there there a lot of times there are no answers, and the mystery is is kind of the fun of it in a way if you're the reader, you know. This is a true story, as I emphasized earlier. You know, if you like everything in your life tied up in a neat little boat and stick with Disney movies, um, <laughs> this is real life. <laughs> this is real life. Endings are messy in real life. And, you, you know, are there going to be some unanswered questions? Yeah. Are there unanswered questions about the universe? Heck yeah. Are you going to die with every question answered? No. Right. It's just the way life works. Do you, what, what is your personal feeling on whether he'll ever go back, or is he just, uh, you think he lives now in his, in his mother's house in Maine? And, uh, he's, he, a, is, yeah, he's living privately in central Maine. Again, we haven't had contact in a while. I know, or I feel very strongly, that he would love to escape again into the woods. But I feel that he probably won't. Do you think um, there's a lot of eyes on him now? And uh, just, it would just be... Just, yeah, and, you know, people have offered to give him land and even hold a fundraiser wow. and give him money so he would just have to... He could live exactly like he used to except without stealing. Yeah. Uh, which, would be, which would be beautiful to me and you. But to him, that's just like, oh, man, somebody gave me this land, therefore I actually have a relationship with this person. Right. Now I own something and it's not clean. It's like those bags being left out on the front door. It seems yeah. we all live in this world it seems like a very beautiful and obvious thing, but he lives in a different world than the rest of us. He is as close as we'll come. He's, uh, he doesn't, you know, when you, when you yeah. find, when you, when you walk out there and say, well, that's, that's a huge part of it. I don't want to owe anybody anything. I don't want to have any favors Ever. done for me. I want to do it yeah. all myself. Yeah, maybe he'll end his whole life yeah. out there at the very end of the whole thing. It's interesting. Maybe it's, he's at a stage in his life where he just wants the human interaction now. Maybe it's like, I you know, know I worked this as like a job. I did 30 years. <laughs> you know what? I'm going to retire now into a house. No, no, he'll not never really. want it. He's not wired like that. He's not like us. Uh, he wants to be as private as possible. He now, would love to escape back into the woods. I'm telling you, like, you know, I, I'm, 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 I'm making educated guesses as someone who spent as much time with him as anyone, but it still wasn't that much time. You know, I, for a while I was worried that he would commit suicide. Right. And yeah. I'm really happy to report that he has not, and it doesn't, that, that That's probably good. that danger period has passed. And then I keep thinking, you know, I wouldn't be surprised if one day Sergeant Terry Hughes, the guy who caught him, and I'm, I, I'm very friendly with him, calls around and says, Mike, he's gone. And I, there was a part of me that would, I doubt that'll happen, but if I get that call one day, I'm telling you, I'm going to feel warm inside and sort of nod and be like, That's what should happen. Yeah. Um, you say that uh, he lives with his mother. So now, you know, it's kind of a, I don't want to, I'm sorry if I'm keeping you on the phone too long, but it's, it's amazing. Thank you. My pleasure. Thanks for staying on, staying on for so long. I appreciate it. And uh, anytime you want to cut me off and have to leave, just, uh, it's no problem. When you see his mother, uh, see he goes and moves back with his mother, and I guess his dad died many years ago, but his dad was alive when he left. It's kind of a total prick move to just like not let your parents know anything. And then they have to worry about their son as right. a, I mean, you're a parent, I'm a parent. I mean, imagine your son disappears at 20. My kid's turning 16. That's only four years from now. And then no one knows what the hell happened to him. I, he doesn't have guilty feelings about that. And then he moves back with his mom, and his mother doesn't smack the shit out of him when he came home. What <laughs> oh, the oh, matter with you? We don't know, we don't know about the lack of smacking. Um, listen, uh, 
there are many, 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 many confounding aspects about this story. He left without telling his family. He never yeah. sent a postcard or made a phone call just to say he was okay. They thought he was dead, right? His family. They thought he was dead. Anyway. You know? Not even a note. Like, dad I, died, I, I'm gone. Yeah, dad died 15 years after he disappeared. And he was still list, Chris Knight was still listed as a survivor in the obituary, but you know there's probably not one day that didn't go by that the dad was like, where the hell is my son? Or he probably assumed he was dead, but yeah. yeah, he tortured his family. There's just no way around right now, that. When you, when he you made his family suffer. When you look him in the eye in jail and then you have these conversations with him, do you feel the any kind of empathy from him? Uh, or, you know, thinking about that? Or you, yeah, you feel like that he doesn't really you know, have that kind of uh, personality trait inside of him? He said, you know, even a single phone call or a postcard saying he's okay, that's a form of communication, that's a, no, no, now someone knows that he's out there, you know, now he got, now he got a connection. Right. How he far- said that um, he was raised with very rigid morals and that it was not ever okay to steal or take something that was somebody else's. That's not the way he was raised. He said after he started stealing, he was just mortified, ashamed, and when he was caught, he actually asked the arresting officers not to call his family because he was so ashamed oh, that he'd become uh, a thief. But don't tell my mom. In a way, he's mom. still like an infant. Like, a, well, not an infant, but he's in a way still he was, like a 20-year-old yeah, man. He was stopped at age 20. I mean, they weren't very good then. Yeah. yeah they weren't very good to begin with. <laughs> How far away from home was he camped out? As the crow flies only 30 miles, uh, he abandoned his car uh, quite further north and then wandered the woods with trying out various and sundry sites for more than a year until he found this extraordinarily perfect spot in the uh, woods of uh, a north, you know, north and little north pond and stayed there for more than a quarter century without leaving. I mean, what kind of, is, does he, when he's by himself, does he laugh? Is he always serious? I mean, that, what, that's... He's an intense you know, dude. Only having your own look. I've driven um, across many states over a couple of days by myself, and I found that I keep myself very good company. <laughs> I really enjoyed the time I spent driving in the car, uh, listening to what I wanted to—music or local uh, radio or whatever it was. Um, I, I kind of understand, but at the same time, you know, it was the you know the value in 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 solidarity i guess i don't know is that the right word Solid- well when you're trying to put value on something like you know he would say what's the value Solitude. of anything in life Solid- we all run around this planet we all are dead in the end and what does it all mean you know value is in the eye of the determiner um you know some people think the most valuable thing you do is work for goldman sachs and make a million dollars some people think to have a bunch of children and raise them which I'm, i have three children and some people you know think it's to separate yourself from the rest of the world not too many people think that but you know he you know, who's, if he's happy and who's, you know, then he found something. You know, I shouldn't have been a, a thief. Now, he, he said right. to me, he, you know, listen, I like to spend time with myself, but I start talking out loud to myself immediately. Well, and All the time I talk to myself. I walk around the house talking to myself. But there's oh, really? more than that. <laughs> I know, me too. There's, I mean, I can understand how while he's out there, he might have some breathtaking experiences, witnessing nature, feeling a part of it all. But there's a high level of discomfort where you just say, like, I really can't do this anymore. There's yeah, a dysfunction agreed. there. He there's a dysfunction forever. because normal people seek human interaction and there's an abnormality. It's one in well, a billion. As my, as it's can I can I uh, counteract that for a second, Mario? If you read the book, you will. Uh, there, are, there's. Uh, Mike explains that who we are really is what Chris is in a way, and it, evolutionary, uh, evolution-wise, that you know you were these solitary people, and until you started hooking up with other hunter gatherers and stuff, like you're supposed to like probably be alone most of the time. Yeah, we, all die, <laughs> we all die alone, so in the yeah, end, I, it's it's too much. Um, uh, stimuli and your brain is wired to respond to all of it 
and if you know some people can't deal with that and 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 as a human being and only in the last you know couple hundred years have we really been hit over the head with all the uh, media and uh industrial revolution and computers and all this stuff Listen, it's not nat- that's understand. not natural you know what i'm saying I, my, thank you michael michael you've been here with us a long time i have two quick questions oh, but maybe hopefully john will let you go but i have two quick questions one is there any, right. any thought of of taking this into a screenplay or oh, do you think it would adapt itself well to that there is a visual element. The movie's there has been 17 hours long. You know, um, <laughs> and so it, it, oh, it, it might. You know, at this point, I'm, I'm, I wrote the book. I'm happy with the way it came out. And, but there's been interest. In, you know, stay tuned. My last book became a film. So well, that's right. We'll, that's we'll my stay. other question. Right. Will, you make the, will you make a documentary about this that is 27 years long and the people have to sit there in the movie theater for 27 years? Well, to watch <laughs> all the- that's my other question. Uh, how, how do you rate, how do you feel uh, on a scale of 1 to 10 on how Jonah Hill portrayed you in True Story? Okay, so we're changing the subject here. My last book, I True just Story, want to end with that. How, how did you feel identity. about his portrayal? Mario's all over the place. Sorry. I had two questions. Okay. One is about the screen. This book is a screenplay. Okay. And how you felt about seeing yourself portrayed by Jonah Hill. So yes, this book will almost certainly be uh, transferred into a screenplay. Whether it actually goes through the intense process and make it get onto film is a long shot for anything. Now, Jonah Hill took, uh, played the part of the journalist in True Story. I like Jonah Hill. I got to meet him. Um, we had a, he, he, I, didn't, I wasn't highly, heavily involved with the movie, but we had a long dinner in New York City, and we spoke, and he's, a, he's really he's funny, and he's funny movies, and he's serious. He's, he's a good actor. He's a good yeah. guy. You know, it's never easy to watch yourself. Man, it's, a, it's, it's, a, it's, yeah. it's so weird to watch a movie made about your own life that I could not watch it in any way, shape, or form with neutrality. Like, right. you know, I watch it between the slits of my fingers. But that said, I think Jonah Hill and James Franco are good actors. I was sort of honored to be played by him. You know, he did his own interpretation. It wasn't me, but uh, he's such a good actor that I have to tell you, I, I can't say anything bad about his performance. I think he did a great job. Not so it's, crap it's on Jonah Hill. super uncomfortable. You're, right. you're oh, lucky. yeah. Well, anytime you watch Ray Romano is going to play me. I want to hang myself. <laughs> I want to hang myself. Do you, I swear to God. Mike, do you, do you um, uh, and I'll let you go in a second here. I'm sorry. Do you, um, do you ever hold, hold out hope that he will respond to the book and have, like, you know, like ser- serious little notes, like, wrong <laughs> this is, and uh, yeah. is listening, and there's not a zero percent chance because you know his radio is one of his things, and the internet is one of his things. You can be a hermit on the internet. You can con- you can communicate with other people without them seeing you. Right, it's, it's almost a very hermit centric way. I mean, uh, like you mentioned these Japanese kids like huddled in their room. There's people that actually become like internet hermits in Japan. There's like a million of them. There's an epidemic. Uh, of this people is what's happening to my son. He won't talk to me. Hi, Chris. He stares at his right. phone all day. Yeah, so uh, you know, I, inv- I, I, I if you're if you're listening, Chris, I, w- I would love to receive a letter from you again. I love the way you write and the way your mind works. And even if you're going to write me a letter telling me all the shitty parts about my book, I, I invite that too. I'll change them in the soft cover. Uh, you asked any mistakes, Ryan. You asked before if Chris laughs, and, and when he gets the book, he laughs that he's not responding, and he goes, "I know it's driving this guy <laughs> he's, nuts." And he's laughing at what idiots we are right now. <laughs> Chris Knight never spoke a word to himself out loud, so he said, "And again, I have nothing." I have no reason not to believe him. Never one word out loud. In fact, he made fun of me for asking that question. He's like, oh, t- like a typical hermit, huh? And he didn't laugh out loud either. It doesn't he mean he's like, serious. He has a very dry sense of humor, but he was silent, man. If he, stu- if he, if he like hit his knee or, or, or stubbed his toe on a rock, he wouldn't say anything. <laughs> God oh, damn it. Jesus Christ. Oh, Jimmy. Nothing? Come on, you got to grant him at least a couple of F-bombs. 
like right. that, but I don't know. <laughs> and one more thing, I just to know you. You know, you have kids. I have kids. Did he ever talked about kids with you? And and as an extension of that. Uh, I hate to ask this dirty question here, but what about sex? Does he masturbate out there, or is he just completely ignored? Well, there were several playboys found in his sight, so that might answer the question. Okay. So, he knows what he looked like. so he's not dead. Right? He's still human, man. He, he went to the woods before he had ever had a girlfriend, um, and so, uh, you know, he called himself like a big fish uncaught, so, you know, we did get into that. Right. Um, now he did uh, wipe. True hermit. People ask him, yeah. ask him if he stands or sits to wipe. I don't know. Stop asking me the chat box. <laughs> I do. I will tell you this. He wiped his ass with John Grissom novel pages. The ultimate insult because he would get he would steal books of all, any nature, you know, and he read these uh, super. He'd read like Ulysses. He'd read like these uh, manuals and these super intelligent. But then also, I guess if there's only, the only thing that was around was like romance novels Lady, or, Lady or Chatter, Jurassic Lover. Park or something. He would he read. He would rather read anything if the alternative was nothing. So right. yeah, he read. Uh, it was polyglot. Yeah, from Who's the Ulysses biggest? to uh, to uh, Fabio, uh, you know, romance novels with Fabio on the cover. Right. <laughs> Who's the biggest asshole in the forest? And why is it Billy Corgan? Oh my god! <laughs> All right, MichaelFinkel.com is the website. The book is called The Stranger in the Woods, uh, The Extraordinary Tale, The Last True Hermit. Did you, I wonder if he'll get mad that you put hermit in the title, if he ever responded to you. Well, just let me know if you're mad about that. He said, to, him, he said <laughs> to, me, to him, now. he never considered himself a hermit in the woods because he didn't put a label on what he was. But he also said to me at the same time, I guess that label fits. I can't really deny it. It fits. Right. So, uh, you know, that's, you know, that's what he is. The book is available from Alfred A. Knopf, and uh, that's a... Uh, a division, I believe, of Penguin Random House, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah. And uh, where is it? Where would you prefer people to buy the book, Mike? Is there a preferred place to go to, to purchase Listen, it? Listen, if you're at all, if you're cut? a reader and you're interested in this book, I am so grateful. There are not a lot of readers left, and there's a million choices. So, first of all, just thanks. Get it wherever the heck you want. That said, okay. if you really want my advice, I love independent bookstores. It'll cost you a couple bucks more than Amazon, but I encourage you to go down the street and buy it at the local bookstore. But if it's two in the morning. And you want to get my book? I'm not going to try to order it off Amazon. Go ahead and do it. I'm honored, to, I'm honored any way you want to read it. Kindle, you know, in your tent. At, I, I recommend you going to the woods by yourself and reading it. Absolutely. Night, oh, that's uh, a good idea. With a flashlight. Dude, I'm telling you right now, you'll blow through this book. It's uh, every you, you, you have to find out what happens next because it's 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 almost like a it's almost like a I don't know I. It, I It'd be a dream to write this book because you know, like, it's a page turner, is what I'm saying. I'm buying one for the cabin right away, dude. I'm going to keep one right up there. Yeah, maybe. maybe. If you have a cabin in the woods, you should have it. I'll expect one to be there in your your garage. Absolutely. uh, You know, he slept, uh, Chris slept one night in the cabin, right? And he hated it. He, like, slept in the bed. The first couple of weeks after he left at the age of 20, he admitted, which which also proved to me, like, he was telling the truth. Because I was like, you never slept in the cabin? He's like, well, actually, one night I did. And just even that admission shows the precise amount of truth. Like when I said, like, you just tossed your keys in the car when you left? He's like, no, I didn't toss. I put them. Like he was that wow. specific. So, yeah, one night, a couple of weeks after he left the world, he spent the night in the cabin. He said it was the worst experience of his life. He couldn't sleep. He was afraid someone was going to come in. He was horribly uncomfortable and never did it again. It's like Goldilocks. What the hell? It's scared out of his mind. Uh, uh, Pat in the chat box saying the GQ article is amazing if that's anything to go by to get it. It is probably the exact thing to go by, and the book, is, which I hold in my hands right uh, presently, is fantastic, and I, I thank you so much for joining us. I really yeah, can't thank you, thank you, can't thank you enough for, for spending so much time. I'm sorry I kept you on for so long. 
You have raised no, the intellectual bar of this station, of this well, show. You know, well, uh, yeah. listen, if, you, if, if that guy can go 27 years in the woods, you can go an hour and a half on Live from the Barrage. <laughs> I don't know, man. I can write a book about me about how long I lasted with you guys. Yeah, Thanks for calling in. I'm going to start it tomorrow. I really appreciate it, Mike. The, uh, MichaelFinkel.com, and, of course, uh, go buy his book, The Stranger in the Woods, today. Go buy it. Right now. now. Go buy it right now. During the Stop break. listening to the show and buy it because it's great. I wouldn't steer you wrong. Fantastic. <laughs> if you like crack hour and stuff like that, which I'm into, and uh, survival and crap like that, it's 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 fascinating. Amazing, later, John. Later tonight when you're sleeping, I'm going to break in here and steal it, John. I know you are. <laughs> Listen, I, ha- I have I have the advantage of knowing who my hermit is out there. That's so I'm not that scared. Right. He's an urban legend, too. All right. Thank you so much, Thanks, Mike. Mike. I appreciate any, it. Do you have anything to promote? Uh, do you have <laughs> He's a got band? a book. <laughs> so I, think, uh, I think if anybody takes a look at The Stranger in the Woods, just read the first page, whether you're uh, online or in the bookstore. If you don't like it, don't buy it. But if you like that first page, go read the second one and see what happens. Right. Speak to you later, guys. All Thank right, Mike. So Thank you so Thank much. You. I appreciate Thank it. Good luck right. with the book and everything else, buddy. I appreciate it. Thank Thanks, you. guys. Right. There he goes. There's Michael Finkel. Welcome to The Stranger yeah. in the Woods. Fantastic book good. about the last true hermit. Go uh, buy that. I've been dying to say for an hour and a half, Michael Finku. Finku. Go to michaelfinku.com and uh, visit him there. He'll, he says he will answer any question you have eventually. I feel smarter already just talking to him. You oh, and I still have like it. I still have 50 more questions here. What a guy. An hour and a half. An hour and a half. It's dude. a record. It's a new yeah. record. I feel like I've been in the woods for 27 hours. Yeah, that was great. Yeah. And we didn't even have to play crap, not crap. We just... Uh... We didn't, well... We were... what, book was, what books were you going to say? Well, you should have picked like a Thoreau... Jonathan Livingston Siegel. Your short Robinson book. Can, uh, Robinson Cano. Robinson Cano. Robinson Cano. Robinson Caruso. Uh, David Justice. Um, uh, Hemingway would be on the crap, Dickens. not crap list. I know that... Um, uh, Chris probably craps Hemingway. I think he thinks he's like oh, tolerable, but yeah, I don't know. He was we talked about the role. A Listen, bit. I read the book. I don't know what the hell you guys are doing all week. Yeah, I did research. The book's fantastic. I I rec- can't wait to check it out. I, I was up in the mountains it. bothering people. Yeah. Yeah. Sorry, it bothers you if I didn't read it. No, I don't. Care. <laughs> it's fine. <laughs> I'm, but I, I was on topic. I really enjoyed that. It was good, man. He's a good guy. Great interview. Thanks. Good job, John. Thank you. Thank yeah. you very much, everyone. Well, good night. Can we go home now? A, yeah, let's go. Absolutely not. Put uh, out a song or two, John. Whiskey? Let's go pee in the woods. Uh, we can drink whiskey. I just feel uh, I feel shots, satisfied shots, shots. that uh, the relief of the the, the uh, nervousness of me yes. interviewing Mr. Finkel. You still get nervous, don't you? Oh, wow. Every time. Before oh, my I do. God. Listen, last night on stage, I'm, I'm coughing. My legs are shaking before we go You're on. It's such a silly Sally. I've hey. done these songs a million times. It's not silly. It's, it's, it's called... Uh, you know, it's, I don't know, it's a fucking mental you, thing, but Emotionally, you have a lot on the line with this. I'm right. totally into it. You go up there and make a fool of yourself. I know that's right. your job in your kiss pajamas, you fuck. Tommy <laughs> gave me those Leah's pajamas. pajamas. Don't right. make fun of them. You're here for prop comedy. When we come back. You can't we'll... yell at people and go, don't be nervous. That doesn't make, doesn't, never works. Do, right. Hey, don't, you know what? Don't I, be, you I'm know, gonna, afraid gonna, of this. I'm going to come over there and hug you. That's like my wife when we're driving in the car and I'm a super nervous passenger. She's like, stop it. I'm like, I can't. I can't my, stop. My oh, yeah, you're bad. Over a bridge. I'm bad. You do that to me, too. I know. It's not my fault, though. I, I can't uh, help it. I see uh, I see you reaching for that bar. The fake breaks. If I could help it, I would. I swear to God, guys. You but do I that? can't. Oh, yeah. You do I'm, fake breaks? I didn't I hit the breaks. Oh, I try not yeah. to right. look because then I go, okay, maybe maybe it'll help if I don't look. Oh, by the way, uh, you fucking dumped the big league chew on me. Damn it. What? 
at the now Super Bowl. About. Now it, wait I got a like second. Six... Are you, is this a dream you had? We oh, won no. this. We won the Super Bowl, and I dumped a big league chew over your head. <laughs> I like that better. <laughs> no Super Bowl party. Everybody brings stuff yeah, over to the house. Sean like brought a box that big. big that box of big league chew that's been sitting in here. I've been meaning to fucking talk to you about this. Okay. He brought it to the Super Bowl party. It was like it's like a ten pack of big league chew that Craig Garrity brought here. Uh, during one of uh, the right. nights we had him on, and, You're and I see John, and I see he's like kind of half dumping it. it. Yeah, he's, he pawned it off. I was sick of that box. You're stuck with it. Stuck in my. I don't know. And there's something about Big League Chew. I never touched one of them to chew it at all. Yeah. But you just don't throw out if, Big League if Chew. You don't throw it out. It makes if sense. I recall, we I figured if I left it here in the Bronx, people would just take a Big League Chew every once in a while. No one's taking no. it. Not even I took it. I got bad teeth. I can't take it. It's like that Twinkie factory in Cleveland. There's if a Twinkie factory where the cream is still in the pipelines. They turned it into a library. Now it's a library. It's nasty. But the cream is still in the pipes. The bugs don't go after it. The rats don't go after it, and it never goes bad. You can stick your finger in one of these pipes and eat the cream from the Twinkie factory That's from what like she said. from like thirty That's years ago. Ryan, if I recall, big league chooch. Thank you, Kazoo. If I recall correctly, we had talked about this in an episode with Hairdo, where Hairdo was talking about making a big league chew Parmesan sandwich. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I have the resources for one sure. One day, one night, I'm going to wake up drunk and uh, and, and eat uh, and, and, and pr- spread big league chew over my pizza like it's pr- uh, shredded <laughs> so cheese. So nasty. You know what? It, you know what the game next week is going to be? I'm going to bring those big league chews. Everybody's got to jam ingredients. The whole, no, no, everybody's got to no jam. The, this is a feat of endurance. Give me a hot pepper. Give you jam the, the whole liquor. thing. Shush, shush. You jam the whole thing in your mouth, and you, whoever dies uh, lasts the longest. <laughs> whoever dies last. <laughs> I'm going to isolate that. He's the winner. Ryan, just give it to me. I'll bring it to my Little League team. Come on. Get it over with. Bring it to your Big League team. It's not called Little League Chew. Fuckers. No, you're I went to practice last week, John. Mary is using it to hold his muffler. Nobody wants to drink Little League Chew. Yeah, you're going to sell league it to chew. the kids. Listen, I'm in a bad point in my life where I don't know if I can continue playing sports, and I went to my first practice, and I haven't played in about six months. And I'm surprised. I was feeling quite ginger, and I'm still able to do it. You're like ginger. A, like yeah. a spry old gazelle. Your body gives up on you after fucking That's what I sucks. Get, right. get ready for it, gentlemen. It's coming. Don't well, I'm ready. Coming to a theater near you. If it ain't one thing, it's another. We thank I, Michael. I have two or three pains where I'm wondering if I need surgery. Let's put it that way. <laughs> I have those. Yeah, we, I have a pain too. It's, I need to. T- I have a pain of a producer pointing at me to take a break. <laughs> take a break. He's a thorn in my side, and uh, you have a troll. Well, what, he's right though. Go? Wait, what? He keeps putting his finger in a bag of ice. What happened? I Thank sl- you, everybody. We'll, we'll be back after these. When I start to go to a break, maybe don't start a new conversation. Yeah. How about What's that? Wrong Something's told, wrong with your mic. I told you before, man. I turned it off. I slammed my finger in a car door. Talk about it off the air. Yeah, yeah. great job. We, we talked, talked about, about it before. It's and if you want to uh, um, go into the woods and, uh, you know, live a life of solitude for 27 years, yeah. all you got to do is walk away. Mm-hmm. Back after this. Thank you. I'm gonna walk all over you. I don't think this is gonna work, Kazugas. I don't know. Oh, this is <laughs> well, this works too. Uh. 
got. Well, I'm excited. I'm a weak man. Uh, we're back live from the branch. What an interview that was there. I'd like to say it was good, but I don't want to talk over you. It was good. <laughs> Do you, is there any other choice but for you to talk over me in life? No choice. Listen, I know how you are. You're the only guy in, on, on earth, just like uh, Chris, Chris Knight. I would, you, you are like a guy who walked into the woods. I did. I did walk into the woods. I lasted three days, and I had to get the fuck out. No, you're like... <laughs> I stayed three days in the woods by myself, right. and I had to leave. Last man on earth. The animals actually started to get used to me and invading my camp. The, the animals are like, take a shower. Invading <laughs> <laughs> your camp. Uh, it was not, it's true. Was I, the camp filled with all things you've stolen from my house and, for, and from the guests we have on? If when you, you hit them me, up for swag? True story. I went to a wedding in Chicago, in Indiana, Indiana by One Chicago, and I drove down to the Indiana border, and I just went into the woods for right. three freaking days. I brought a bottle of water, a gallon of water, a brandy, some sandwiches, and some big I brought chew. some uh, drawing pa- pad and paint, <laughs> yeah. and I, my tent. And on day one, I walked to my left. On day two, I walked to my right. And on day three, I walked behind me. And then that was it because it was a lake. Well, Mario, so how many cabins did you break into? No cabins. I stayed in my tent for three days by myself. <laughs> I had a radio, transistor radio, and the baseball games were on. I was able to get baseball games. How many Playboys did you read? <laughs> no, I had baseball and I painted a picture. I still have it. This cat befriended me and entered what? my camp. What? Oh my god! Cat, an you... orange tabby. It's a great story. You're like Henry David Boro. <laughs> <laughs> and then I found a box turtle, and I took him home. Did you go to Waltron Pond and stuff? I took him home in a TDK cassette box. I brought him on the plane. What? Wait, yes. Mary, you're hanging around in the fucking mountains with a fucking I, a box, box turtle, turtle. And, a, and an orange tabby? Yeah, and then by the third night, some foxes and raccoons were coming around. I'm like, I'm out of here. Mario, who's going to play you in the movie? <laughs> they, the animals went out Show into the, the woods. <laughs> they turned around and came back. The animals went out into the woods and told their friends, hey, listen, man, this guy's got some food. You guys got to come back here. Orange tabby. I know because I had the painting. I had a bottle of Mohawk blackberry brandy. I put it in the paint in the composition. And, yeah. <laughs> and I had a tabby and I had a turtle. They were all in the painting. I could not forget it. I picture you like um, what's that Disney movie where the, all the animals come and <laughs> you have your arms Bambi. outstretched. Ooh, and, hello, yeah. Mr. Bluebird. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Bluebird on his shoulder. <laughs> Mr. Bluebird. A box turtle and a cassette in his pocket. Yeah. It's oh, like, what a beautiful morning. He's like fucking uh, Oklahoma. Dr. Octagon or whatever that guy who likes animals is. Who's that guy? Dr. Octopus? That dude. You What's know, his guy. name? The animal guy. You're thinking about St. Oh. Francis. Dr. Doolittle. St. <laughs> Francis. That's who I am. <laughs> Dr. Octagon. You're a real saint. All right. <laughs> Dr. Doom. <laughs> One of those doctors. You know my doctor. Dr. Vinny <laughs> Wimbots. It was a great show. It was, it was a great show. Great and, uh, Tommy, you have an announcement for us today? Second opinion. What, what could top this, Tommy? <laughs> well, actually, we have a great guest coming up next week. Check this out. <clears throat> Doolittle. <laughs> next week, we're going to have uh, a guy named Steve Mayer. Actually, no, I'm sorry. Steve Myers coming in uh, from Brooklyn, New York. He is the singer of a band called The Mighty Fine. Mm-hmm. And he's also a singer with a band, The Afghan Wigs. Yeah. You know, right. yeah. You know them. Not the Mighty High. The Mighty Fine. I believe, and I, I haven't looked this up, I believe The Mighty Fine, I have some of their records. I believe they're on Drug Front Records. I believe which is so the as well. Dean Rispler's label, along with the, such bands as The Mess Around and such 
Yeah, so he'll be coming into the studio. He'll be live in person. Wow. I like my guests live. I can size them up. I like my guests like my coffee, live and black. (laughs) That's what he is, actually. He's a black man. (laughs) Finally, we're going to have some diversity in this goddamn play. What do you mean? Kevin comes once in a while. Pete Patrick. Listen, we got Kevin. We got um, Question Mark and the Mysterians. That's right. We got uh, Eugene Robinson. And Mrs. Fang. We're uh, very diverse. uh, John Mayer. John Mayer. John Mayer. Uh, Steve Mayer. Steve Mayer. <laughs> Steve Myers. <laughs> Hold on. The two guys, that, those two writers from Hanging with Mr. Cooper. Right. Oh, oh, yeah, that's right. Oh, yeah. That's right. Yeah, that's those right. Guys. How are they Cooper. doing? I wonder where they are. I know. Bionic, Bionic Mark. Bionic and, Mark. Uh, yeah. Those guys are fun. Yeah, I wonder where they're now. We should do a. a we re- went on repeat. their show. <laughs> where are they now? Yeah, yeah, we went on their show. That's Remember right. That we have Tommy? plenty of diversity here. Plenty of women. Plenty of black <laughs> that, people. Tommy, we had an Asian uh, um, trans, a trans person here last week. So yeah. eat me. We had All right, a, a dolphin fucker. I don't want to hear about your sausage fest. I have narrative. no idea what you're talking about. And pussy Ryan. riot. No, we moved on. <laughs> yeah, so that's Steve Mayer. Who made pussy riot laugh. It was great. They right. told us about this Putin and his down, low yeah. down tricks. And You're right. They gave us the insight. They right said it ahead. starts out as a joke. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. Now we're mm-hmm. living it. Yep. Living yep. a nightmare or the dream. What is it? I don't know. So that's Steve Myers next week, 9 o'clock. And I have some big things in the works, too, maybe. So I can't talk about them yet, but there might be some big things you know, happening in the, in the punk rock world. Wow. Oh, I thought you were going to say Milton Burrow. Guest wise, oh. Milton Burl, yeah. Uncle Milty will be in. We'll dig him up. You know, he's going to be in California, but his cock is going to be live on the air. Yeah. That's how big it is. What, Mary? The filmmaker, our friend Villan. Is it villain or Villan? Mm-hmm. Villan Trubb wants to come and visit. God, yeah, okay, stop talking about it. I don't know what you're talking about. You uh, do. You know him. He's a good friend of Ken, and we, he's a good filmmaker. You, you come up with these names. I don't know who the hell you're talking about all well, the time. Bring him in, Mary. Bring him in, then. Stop talking about it. Bring him in so I can hustle. Do some work. I have asked for clearance, and I'm looking for an appropriate date to convey to the gentleman. Let's May. talk about it off air. Let's talk about another time besides when we're oh, on the air. Oh, yeah, so. right. Everybody can talk about their guests, but I can't talk All about right. What's in the news, Tommy? <laughs> about time. We'll do it in May, Mario. May the day never come. Oh, Non-breaking God. news. Mario goes, star. here's a guest I have. You guys figure everything else out. No, I'm That's your move. for the timeline. You I don't, don't want to just say come when it's show 200 or when this great writer like... <laughs> Late April, Mario. <laughs> yeah. yeah, late April. Everything's cleared up after uh, mid-April. So I, I want to hustle some work out of this guy. So Thank make sure you, you bring pick him a in. date. It's going to be a 20-minute interview. I have no idea who this is. Neither, 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 Tell him bring his neither check- does the audience. Tell him bring his checkbook. Can I, I can't just have random people in. You, excuse me. It's not random. You know him, random. and the man is a bona fide How do I know? filmmaker. He's on your page, and you met him. What the hell are you Ken talking and, about? And JP. I don't remember. Well, where I, where, where I do they meet him? sent you all this information. Now he has this blog site, which is pretty interesting. His first one talks about how the first thing as a filmmaker, everybody's going to hate you, and you could you should Wait, care less. You're not ex- explaining what film did he make? Where he did made I the meet? The movie Susie Q, and he's just releasing. What his the hell is movie. that? Because right, everybody hates Martin Scorsese. <laughs> it's got a great write up. It's about a guy in Queens, actually. Uh, you never watched the movie, have you? You lying son of a bitch. <laughs> Don't lie on my show. I read that book, Strangers in the Woods, didn't yeah. I? Yeah. Strangers oh, in the Woods. So, yeah. Strangers in the Woods. We have this great guy in. He, uh, he, he made this film I've never watched. I can't pronounce Mario. his name, but he's good. Let's talk after after the show. By we'll the get, way, we'll I, in. the one question I did forget to ask, uh, ask Mike was, uh, apparently the last movie Chris Knight saw was Ghostbusters, and then immediately after that he walked straight oh to the woods. Oh, my God. <laughs> 
Can you imagine what that's like? So I wonder, like, you know, did some like performance in Ghostbusters like set him off? He's like, that's it. I've had enough. Dude, he comes back and he gets to see Ghostbusters too. Yeah, this animation's <laughs> terrible. Like time just stopped. Yeah. <laughs> what a great movie to go out on, though. Yeah. Thank you. All right, Tommy, Tommy you have some news for us? Yeah. What's in the news? Tommy Rockstar. We got some wacky stories going Let's on here. Some news. What's what, a, really? News. As opposed to the serious stories well, you usually th- do? This one's pretty serious, actually. We'll start with a serious one out of Chicago. <clears throat> Hours before U.S. Attorney General Jeff Sessions announced a new crackdown on sanctuary cities this past Monday, immigration and customs enforcement agents in Chicago raided the home of Felix Torres and shot him. Unfortunately, Torres was not the man ICE was actually looking for. I shot him. <laughs> TRN reports that ICE agents busted into the 53-year-old's home around 6.30 a.m. Sorry, I have a tickle in my throat here. According according to reports, Torres aimed a gun at the agents before uh, an official shot him. Torres was taken to the hospital in serious but stable condition. Stable? Stable. ICE officials have since admitted that Torres was not the target of the raid, but declined to say who was. According to the man's daughter, Carmen Torres, none of the family members uh, are undocumented workers and have lived in the home for over 30 years. Mr. Torres told TRN that as many as eight family members live in the house, including her infant child and nephew. <clears throat> Shocker. Do you Qu- call the hospital? Well, no, I just, his, uh, his daughter called me. <clears throat> uh, quote, they didn't say anything. They just came in and pointed their pistols in our faces and dragged us out. Uh, she said of the icy ice agents. Uh, we didn't have any time to get dressed or grab milk for the baby. You could have said guns, but you went with pistols, so we could say pistols, right? <laughs> had to. It's pretty fucked up, man. Like they ice runs into a house and shoots a dude, and it wasn't even the dude they were looking for. We're it living a lot. in a fucking different world. This is <laughs> this is the uh, Putin's Russia that the those oh girls vagina vagina monologue tell us. Please stand oh, for the man. Russian national anthem. <laughs> right. You should practice at home. I'm, Practice doing the radio show, just, like set up some dummies. Set up called some, Pussy Ride, the Vagina Monologues. The Vagina Monologues were on here, and they uh, came in and said we're living in You Putin's know what a- happens during the break, John? What? Mario gets two sheets to the wind. I see what you're doing over there. You need to practice, so set up some stuffed animals at home. And with like some cardboard microphones, you're an artist. You figured out like an old pieces of oak tag and practice doing the radio show. I practice every day in my head. <laughs> well, you, you're not practicing enough. Listen, the guy on my softball team, he's like, I can't go back to my country because he came here 30 years ago and never, never bothered to become a citizen. He's stuck. I mean, it's like crazy. These people are now stuck here or can't get right. here at all. You should start your own radio show and talk about it. Because <laughs> I'm packing my pistol. It's called Tiempo. Guys. <laughs> Channel 7. Every Sunday. Telemundo Especial. Mario Rosado. Well, that was a little too serious for you guys, so I'm going sh- to shift gears now. Go back to my normal programming. Telemundo Especial. Es el primero, número uno. Bud Light. How do you say head of the giant squash in Spanish? Go. <laughs> That's by the old Mario Arizaro. No, diga Azaro. Diga Azaro. Right, leave the interviewing and the uh, Mexican <laughs> impressions to me. Thank you. This story is out of Vermont. He Mario's going to punch me in the face. He's so mad at me tonight. Yo soy primero. El número uno. <laughs> you are. That's, you are. You think you're number one. That's why you're the only person on earth. You're rude. You only care about yourself. Go into the woods and stop bothering people. We're sick of it. Hey, that guy Mike is going to come and write a book about me. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'll read that. You Forget about getting some stuff from PlayStation. I'm going to have an author write about me, John. <laughs> all right, we're going to shift gears here, all right, you guys? 
things ran a little afoul in a northern Vermont uh, neighborhood when one, a one-of-a-kind Chinese empress duck, who is said to be the descendant of the ancient Peking duck dynasty, escaped the farms, a farm sanctuary earlier this week. Elmer the duck, uh, known simply to locals as Elmy, uh. no, as Elmy, went on a raging rampage through a snoozy Vermont hamlet of Hillsdale, <laughs> breaking into houses and stealing what he needed, with <laughs> tidy whities, <laughs> underwear in the package, and uh, some fruit. It doesn't wear boxers. <laughs> it's ice cream. Ooh, it's escaped from the Hunan Garden Sanctuary and made his way to oh the town's God. main Were street. Were they going to cook him? <laughs> no, I don't know. Hunan chicken. You know, Hunan duck. Yes, we know. Made his way through the town's main street where the bird went quackers running in and out of... Half-lack. Bird went quackers. Running in and out of various parts. You park. debated whether or not you should. <laughs> it, was in the, it was in the coffee. I didn't uh, know. No, you didn't make that up. Um, unimaginable. I think you passed the editor's desk. <laughs> running in and out of various parlors as police officials tried to unsuccessfully catch the quick-footed creature. Police officials. They're on the case. <laughs> Official. Lieutenant Police Chief... Andy Pedler told inf- uh, told an informed TRNN scene reporter that it took the Vermont PD up to 20 men and 14 squad cars to corner the feathery critter mm. after placing a townwide APB to create an ironclad you, dragon. Would you, would you say they cast a web over the neighborhood? <laughs> like their feet. Like their feet. Yes. The, cool. the flat-footed... <laughs> I want to know who's going to pay the bill for this. The flat-footed... <laughs> oh. Mario Redemption. There we go. The flat-footed Keystone cover. Quote, he's one smart duck, exclaimed a baffled and winded peddler to TRNN. Baffled? Officials... I think ducks probably have reasonable intelligence. They yeah. seem to... Officials eventually were able to corner the shifty bird after laying a trap <laughs> on the sidewalk filled with buttered crackers. <laughs> what is it? The duck's like... Yeah, I listen, would go for buttered crackers. If there's no butter, I'm out. <laughs> That's how they caught me, man. <laughs> there's butter on those crackers. The bird's elderly owner, Mao Mao Mao, told TRNN oh uh, through a translator that she was, quote, grateful to have the sacred bird back in her clutches so she could give it, quote, the bright future it Mao! deserves. Mao! Fitty Mao! Fitty Mao! Fitty Mao! I do two. I do three. <laughs> She wanted to bring it back to Hunan Garden Sanctuary. <laughs> Let's play some uh, Russian roulette. It's nice. <laughs> it's a laugh. nice time. Let's laugh about the deer sure. hunter. Yeah, it's great. It's hilarious. <laughs> <laughs> you ever see shit like I remember list? that time. I, what uh, a fucking rip. I lost my mind on heroin in Vietnam. I tried to shoot myself in the head. It was great. It was it was funny. I was like a celebrity. It's his birthday today. <laughs> Is it? Yeah. Happy birthday, Christopher Watkins. <laughs> and th- this is my last story here. <laughs> Mao. Fitty <laughs> Mao. This is, this is my last story. And it's a TRN exclusive. It's it's a long feature piece that we're going to go through. Here, so you guys should be is excited. Is there music for an exclusive? Oh, yes, I believe we do. I do have something like that. This is a one-of-a-kind story. This is a Radio Nope world premiere. A live from the Barrage exclusive. It's a true story, too. Sure. Tonight, for our final story, we bring you a tale like no other. Uh, no other ever reported. A story of hidden treasure, abandoned castles, mountaintop mysteries, mm. daring mid-air brawls, mm. swashbuckling Nazis. All in a brand new episode of the Power Rangers. (laughs) All in a brand new TRNN exclusive report. Our story starts. Our story starts in 1942, according to legend, where a long-forgotten daredevil aviator is said to have stolen a valuable fortune from a German spy, (laughs) and supposedly has hid it somewhere in upstate New York. 
<laughs> leaving a series of clues released after his death, encouraging the public to find his mysterious payday. Is it at your house? <laughs> I wish. According to local legend, a stash of Nazi, Nazi cash was tucked away inside a secret safety deposit box in an old-timey bank in the town of Liberty, New York. Mm. <laughs> that just came out of my mouth. That wasn't even a sound. like a cat. <laughs> you got a kitten sound. I finally got a cat sound. I just like sucked my lip. It was so cute sounding, too. <laughs> a treasure waiting to be collected by whoever could solve this. That's a Nazi of- treasure, you said? Yes. Are they Franks? Guess <laughs> height. <laughs> the set, uh, but uh, it's it's a treasure waiting to be collected by whomever can solve a set of mysterious clues left behind its original owner. The legend of the Nazi treasure has pu- puzzled the upstate townspeople of Liberty since a local paper, the Backwoods Register, first wrote about it in the story over two decades ago. It's a mystery sound, but so far no one's been able to recover the money. Legend, <sighs> legend has it. <sighs> <laughs> I'm waiting for the last one. I think I'm done. That was very intrusive. <laughs> I haven't spoken to anyone in 27 years in, in, in anything that's, but belches. That's the first thing you had to say. Right. So why'd you do this? <laughs> I've been dying to do yeah. that for so long. I've been drinking Bud Heavies out of your cabin for the last two hours. Legend has it that the treasure was hidden by a local eccentric German expatriate named Otto von Hilling. You're who, making this, no, is this some is kind of re- phony this bullshit This is a straight story, real right? story. Google it. I won't. I will not. <laughs> Who came into the, the, the possession? Why don't you of, Google this? It's a big story. <laughs> Who came Front in, page news? Who came into the possession of the money by stealing it from a German spy in 1942? Fifty years later, the Backwoods Register decided to write about the treasure in a series of articles that ran in the summer of 1992. I heard you used to play a PV Backwoods. What about the pirates, Tommy? Where are the pirates? It's coming. It's coming. Oh, Setting off a brief scavenger hunt, hunting uh, a, a brief scavenger hunting craze in the area. Quote, all of a sudden, people were running through Sullivan County looking for a treasure with shovels in their hands. Remembered Bob Diggersley. Shovel. Diggersley. <laughs> now, nah, come on. That's real, on. dude. Stop. Stop. Dude, president Do of the Liberty. seek the treasure. President of the Liberty <laughs> Museum and Arts Center. Bushwhacked. <laughs> it was bonkers, he said. We thought you was a <laughs> Apparently, the key to dis- to recovering the money is to find a bronze coin engraved with Otto Hilling's initials OH or O, uh, which is rumored to be buried somewhere in the Catskill Mountains, according to Diggersley. Catskill. No? Oh. No, you, hey, you missed. I, I, oh. I wrong Tron there. Yeah, we got to come up with a term for that. It happens. So it's often. over by where you live there, where your little yeah. alpine hut is. That's right. Yeah, here we go. What a surprise. Supposedly, the coin, which is believed to be hidden in the vicinity of Hilling's hidden mountaintop castle, can be located by following a set of 25 clues left behind. But okay, hold on a second. Call your, I have the coin on the air. Okay. Yes, coin, are you there? <laughs> he hung up. Hilling, a German immigrant and an early aviation enthusiast, moved to the town of Liberty in 1895, where he built his now infamous castle, according to legend. It was a castle. <laughs> <laughs> Together... <laughs> Along with a Danish barnstorming pilot named Hogar Hollister. What the fuck are you talking about? This is Hogar. real. Hogar, Hogar. We must hide the coins. <laughs> Hogar. 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 Hilling became one of the first people to we cross the Atlantic by airplane in, in 1931. By airplane in 1931. <laughs> a little over a decade later, according to legend. A lifetime later. <laughs> Hilling and Hollister were hijacked by two German saboteurs during a <laughs> mid-air flight. Oh, a saboteur. Two German saboteurs. <laughs> the Germans were apparently planning to blow up the railroad trestle in Liberty as part of a covert operation to boost Nazi war efforts. 
and ca- uh, carried a large sum of cash, which Hilling stole in a midair struggle that left <laughs> Van Helsling stolen. <laughs> <laughs> Both of the foreign agents dead, according to legend. When Hilling Stop repo- with that rapper, I'm going to stab you. I'm sorry, I'm dying. I got to eat this. Oh, it's not me. It's not me, John. I was disappointed to find out it wasn't. <laughs> Vindicated. When Hilling reported the hijacking to the federal government, he never told anyone about the stolen money until 1954, when he entrusted his assistant Marla Loganberry. Uh, I remember her well. <laughs> <laughs> which, uh, with the task of publishing the story in the Backwoods Register, the assistant was told to hand over 25 secret clues to the paper when 50 years passed. Hand them over. <laughs> hand me the clues. What a Gilbert Godfrey, <laughs> I apologize for ripping you off in the dead of night. The federal government supposedly suppressed the news of the original 42 hijacking for security reasons, making it difficult to fact check. The Backwoods Register online uh, archive mysteriously stops before 1992, Mm. but fortunately the clues were published in a tour guide in 1996. Thank God. You have that? Yeah, here's some of the clues. Check it out. One of the clues reads, The Arch of the Roots is by your boots. The Arch of the Roots. She is... As beautiful as her closest sister, who once left Skeetersburg. <laughs> Does anyone have any idea what Tommy's talking about at this point? The fish yes, won't. Your boots, Plattsburgh. I'm not been following. The roots are in Plattsburgh. Lennon's farm holds a clue. Grady's horse kicked the glue. From the inside of McManion's store. I feel like store, in one of those escape rooms. <laughs> the mighty Mongop will roar. Like Dr. Seuss. <laughs> These were all various clues left behind. <laughs> Yes, I do like clues in my shoes, and I have the blues. <laughs> One says, oh, Tsuga's my Canadian, protect me. Kazuga? <laughs> and the final one reads, this is it. You have all the clues. If you find it, call the news. Fred will know what to do for the treasure he will give you. And that's the mm. news. Fred seems to refer to Fred Stabbert Sr., the publisher of the Backwards Register, who passed ownership to the paper to his son, Fred Stabbert Jr., when he died back in 1963. Right. Is there any Duh. truth to this legend? Bob Diggersley tells Tiernan that he is suspicious, but doesn't is rule there out any truth <laughs> to this legend. But doesn't rule out the possibility of Hilling. I'd like actually to sink my teeth into the story. <laughs> uh, that Bob, that Hilling actually did hide the treasure somewhere in the mountains. I care not for treasures of the earth; only the treasure of blood from the neck of a virgin. Quote, it's curious that such a reputable newspaper, such as the Backwoods Register, would publish the story. Reputable. and uh, yeah. <laughs> I don't want to per, uh, perpetuate an urban legend, but I think there could be something to it. Adding, quote, if it's real, Otto von Hilling is exactly the type of person to hide the treasure in the mountains. So you, supposedly, this is real treasure. Otto von Hilling is not fit to smell my sheet. <laughs> you think it takes talent to play Frankenstein? It's all grunting and groaning. And uh, I pull I, this string. <laughs> pull this string. <laughs> Fuck you, <laughs> Karloff. Sidekick. Sidekick. Fuck you. Uh, now I advise anyone who doubts my story to look that up. You can find video of it on YouTube, and you can Google the story. It came uh, out. Is the story years. over? What's the punchline? <laughs> the punchline is: is so this was hit- it Bob number one or Bob, or Bob number two? <laughs> I swear to God, I don't know what's happening. Dude, it's, there was hidden treasure in the mountains of the Catskills, stolen from the Nazis, caught in a mid-air flight fight in 1931. That's a real deal, and right. if, if you could find the coin, 
by following the clues, you can find the treasure. That's, why you, that's why you bought a house up there, right? So that would be closer to it. Get you got a house and a guy account, don't you? I do, we'll keep track of that, Tommy. Do you ever? Do you do you have any kind of lead? Do you do you, do you feel like you're on to the on the on the right track? Well, some you're of those case? some of those places in the story I know of, you know, and uh, I think if we can get a little band together, Mara, if you want to go up there looking for this gold coin, I'm sure. down. Well, your boots is Plattsburgh, which is the German for your boots. See, yeah, Mara can solve this. <laughs> <laughs> Dude, one of the clues is as you pass by, behold and see in a restaurant across from the old big behold G. Behold and see. Gist height! Gist height! The my, G, that's the gist height! <laughs> my work lives on and uh, hold a clue to find the coin now known to you. Right. Once, what was once Hortonville now is not. Hortron. You are very close to oh. number one. The plague is a spot where you should plot. Mm. I'm on it. And then finally. Turn to the right if you go left. Turn to the left if you go right. The municipal corner is basically nutty. That's his most oh. mysterious clue. Municipal. That's a reference to the hokey pokey. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, we've put Tommy's news in. We shake it all about. We stick it in. We stick it out. And according to legend, that's the news. That's the news. Ooh. Thank you, Tommy Rockstar. Oh, there's Tommy with the news. With, yeah. and, and maybe a uh, mission for the listeners out there to yeah. kind of follow the clues and go on their own mystery tour, like a Fine. geocaching. Fuck uh, them. Yeah. Let's do it ourselves. And if you find the coin, please bring it to the garage so we can, uh, so Mario can lose it. I'm trying Thank to stick you. with a mountain theme here, yeah. dudes. Yeah. <laughs> 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 rules and so does Leslie West another Queens man Tommy I have a request what's that on the way here I heard a story a great story that <sighs> cancer might be cured but it wasn't the story was it from it natural was the news doctor's name that made me laugh so hard what was it so I don't know I want you to find the story and report on it is it doctor cancer buster uh, again things Once we again. should talk about <laughs> off the air <laughs> And Please find me that story. Time for the Ryan game. Yeah. Yeah. And giving us all the work uh, to do. Uh, oh. in Queens, New York. It's, it's time, time to play, play the Ryan game. game. Where we expose these smart Are you ready to play at home? They because really get ready. Are. Here's your host, Ryan Collison. Every week, Ryan comes up with the game for us. We have no idea what it's going to be. Game. What's the game this week, Ryan? This week, I got a game from uh, from one of our fans. Excuse me, hold on. Yeah. Hot. <laughs> hot, hot, hot. So, you know, it's like what you call fan art. You know, right. it's... Uh, <laughs> yeah, fan fiction. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Once in a while, uh, somebody will reach out to me and say, hey, I got a great idea for a game. And I say, you've said nice. enough already. <laughs> say no more, my friend. I'm, <laughs> I'm signing Easy. you up. You and mean, if it goes horribly wrong, I'm blaming you. If listeners out there wanted to send you games, you would not be adverse to it. Mary, Mary, I've even like played the, your games, and right. believe me. You have. Yeah, yes. we have had it. This is the great Donald Trump swindle you're pulling here. While I don't mind, as the host, of uh, you coming up with games from any source, I like that um this is kind of like no matter what happens you win if if you if the game flops yeah. you could always blame like that's, whoever came up that's what i'm going to do the rest of my life <laughs> it's a good strategy <laughs> seems to be working for the guy outsource baby outsource everybody for President everything the, that goes wrong in life goddamn united I, states it's never going to be me again well, <laughs> i'm responsible for name the primitive weapon and what would uncle vinny say <laughs> right did we play either one of no. those or? yes we did but john i have a feeling this is going to be a good game next week donald j trump it, tommy has a feeling because it's his girlfriend that uh, gave me the game. I know her Which name. Is, I know yeah. her name. 
Leah Luskatov. Uh, Leah, Leah. And when I saw Lus, first because I didn't know her last name when she invited me to be her friend on Facebook. Right. Mm-hmm. So I thought girl. it was just some, you know, somebody being clever in Brooklyn, mm-hmm. like <laughs> Los Cutoff. Right. Was the name, but you know, that's uh, her real name. Boy, I found out she was related she's to the Jungle best. Jim plus Los Cutoff. <laughs> I was very impressed. Yeah, I love she Leah. Is. She's awesome. She's a famous sweetheart. NBA player. So she came. She came at me with this game. I passed it to Ryan, but I've not seen the answer, so I can play. Do you want to set this okay. up? Um. Awesome. Yeah, yeah. Go for it, Ryan. Right, you're, so, uh, you're the guy. Basically, it's it's as easy as this. Uh, I'm going to read you a quote. It's probably going to be outrageous, and you'll have multiple choice. You have multiple. to guess which rock star <laughs> said that quote. Can't stop. So, which rock star said this? The quote. Okay. Right. Name the rock star who said the quote. Okay, right. that seems simple enough. Easy, I easy enough, right? Yeah. All right. Sure. We're just screaming it out. I got it. Play, again, no, play we'll, along we'll, at home. We're not screaming out. We're all, each person gets the answer. Oh, everybody will get the answer. Kazuga is also saying in the chat box that Leia rules, and we all agree uh, she's the best. Leah. You know, Kazuga bought uh, some of her dolls. Do you guys know that? That He bought her kiss dolls. I saw these dolls. She's not afraid of getting sued on there? What the hell? No, because it's just uh, it's homage art, maybe a little parody going on. Fan art. Life homage. <laughs> uh, Kasuga, I'm, I'm writing you in, so type your answer. All right, Ryan. Yeah, rock and roll Matryoshka. Right, limited, limited time. Question number one. I, I, I didn't read any of these yet, so um, we'll it's all new you. to me. It's all new to me. Uh, music journalists like Elvis Costello because music journalists look like Elvis Costello. <laughs> oh. Who said that? Shit, man. Does anybody I'm, want to try and guess yes, before? Yes, I know this quote. I just can't think of Um, If you could guess before, I give the multiple right. choice. Uh, I'll give it to you. Oh, man. I know it. Oh, God. Three, two, one. Morrissey? No. But you can still play. All right, here's the four Nick choices. Nick Cave? Here's the four oh. choices. Don't say John. No, oh, it's we, multiple. Wait till the end. A, Henry Rollins. B, Axel Rose. C, Axel. David Lee Roth. Or D, Vince Neil. Uh, Mario, why don't you go first? I say Vince Neil. Okay, Tommy. I actually, no, Mario has no idea who those four help, people are, by the way. You can't help but to say Axl Rose. So I, I want to, you. but unfortunately I know the answer to this one, so I'm going to take myself out of it. So it's just you two. A, it's A, in my mind. It's Henry Rollins. Henry Rollins? Henry Rollins. Well, what, what's the answer since you seem From to Black know Black Flag. The answer is David Lee Roth. Right, Ooh, that's right. Yeah. Wow, very Which is good. a great quote. Tommy, great I, why are you not getting a point? You're the best. Well, because this is, this is like an inside gag that Lee and I have had forever, so that one question I've known forever, so I'm out. That's probably the foundation of the game. Yes, it is. It, okay. it started from You're that. Gonna, right. Bob on the chat box uh, getting it right. See. Nice. Bob, Bob. I thought it was Rollins. I've been in a Rollins K-hole Bob, on Bob, YouTube. Bob, you got one. Uh, question number two. If you're going to be a fucking rock star, go be one. People don't want to see the guy next door on stage. They want to see a being from another planet. Mm. Who said this? Is that? Can we, if we guess first, can we get yeah, two points? Yeah. David Bowie. That's what I, my guess. That's not the right answer. All right. You can keep right. playing, though. <laughs> All right. Hey, I was right on the same wavelength as you, Mary. So the uh, choices are A, Keith Richards, B, Frank Zappa, C, Slash, or D, Lemmy. Ooh, great choices. Well, I don't want to give my answer away because I'm smart. Wait for Mario to answer first because he takes my lead all the time. To if you want to be points. a rock star, don't be the guy next door. All right, so what are my choices? Oh, God. We just gave them to you. There's 15 minutes Frank left and there's Zappa 10 minutes Zappa slash Keith, Lemmy. Who's Keith, the first guy? Keith Richards, Frank Zappa, slash, or Lemmy. And I won't read the question again. I'm going to take a stab and say Frank Zappa. Okay. I'll go with Frank. Frank, Frank Zappa is like the Frank least Zappa. rock star guy. What was D again? It couldn't be Frank Zappa, I think, because uh, the, uh, the 
person who authored this game knows how everybody feels about Frank Zappa and is not going to torture you guys with. I have. Oh, you never know that. I have some Frank Zappa right here. <laughs> Hello, I got a monkey in the garage. Let's all take His your shoes off. Italian girls, look at your fingernails. Ooh, ah, Frank Zappa. Hello, everybody. I love John's interpretation of Frank Zappa. I am Frank Zappa. <laughs> I think that would be a great Zappa song. Listen to my complicated arrangements. I like that. <laughs> you know the song you just sang is not bad, right? That's actually really good. Fingernails and doggy poop. Watch out where those huskies go. My name's Frank Zappa. <laughs> Flippity flop. Flippity flop. We hey, take it. Take it, Steve Gadd, or some kind of studio asshole. John, your Deborah Cadabra. Hello, everybody. It's Frank Zappa here. It's a dog peeing in the snow, and I'm I like to my have sex. Can I change my answer? No. No. I picked D. I forgot who it was, but I picked D. Lemmy. Yeah. Lemmy. Yeah. yeah. Of course, it's Lemmy. Lemmy don't take no guff. Thank you. How the chat box do? Not good. I don't know. I haven't, I haven't been looking. Question number Tommy three. Tommy Lee. <laughs> Someone says. Was that an answer? No. no. Uh, I used the. I, it's this spelled wrong. I used to fantasize that Paul McCartney would marry my sister. <laughs> Was that <laughs> A. Brian Wilson, B. Joe Walsh, C. Ringo Starr, or D. Ozzy Osbourne? Hmm. Hmm. I'm gonna take a stab and say Brian Wilstron. I agree with Tommy. I don't think Brian Ozzy Tron. has a sister. Yeah, that is a wrong <laughs> I go with Brian Wilson, too. Why not? Mario? Mario. Ringo Starr. Everybody's mm. wrong. Oh. Chatbox. Chatbox did not answer in time. Chatbox not getting it. Uh, Ozzy Osbourne. Was right oh, Ozzy. I knew he had a sister. Ozzy. Yeah, wait, I have a... What was that? <laughs> <laughs> Who were we talking about? <laughs> I had a whole plan. Ringo Starr. Oh, no, I forget it. You can't arrest me. I'm a rock star. Is that mm. Steven Tyler? John, say it like Steven Tyler would. I, I can't do a Steven. I don't have a Steven Tyler. Sassafras. <laughs> Let me hang some uh, uh, scarves on my microphone here. I'll get back to you. Is it <laughs> Steven Tyler? Can't arrest me. I'm a rock star. John Lydon, mm. Rod Stewart, or Keith Moon? Rod the Bond. What is the question again? Uh, you can't arrest me. I'm a rock star. Mm-hmm. Probably not read the way it was Who said. Who is a total dickhead? It's not <laughs> Billy Corgan. <laughs> is it Steven Tyler, John Lydon, Rod Stewart, or Keith Moore? Uh, you know what? John, I'm going to go first here, and I think Johnny Lydon is such a fucking insufferable prick yeah. that he, as as much as he's supposedly the anti-rock star, I see him saying that so easily. Because he is, is a rock star and that's he's a jerk off. No, I'm going to actually go out on a limb and say Keith Moon. Keith Moon? Yeah, I, I think that's viable too. Mm. Mario. Well, I'd like to say Johnny Rotten because he's an ass, but I have to try to get a point and I'll say Rod Stewart. You get nothing. Damn it. <laughs> the answer? John Lydon. Uh, yes. Damn it. Yes, good guess. I knew it. That guy's such a dick. Punk rock. That band always sucked. Fucking fake old boy band bullshit in Boy band. Show. He threw are. me out of his show and he kept Joe Sanchez because he had a tuxedo on. They're a put together boy band. They, they were the put Ramones together. kicked their ass and peed in their beer. They inspired a generation. Pissed to. It's not who they were, it's what they did. No, you're, that's where you're wrong. No, it's what happened after that. 
See, that's what you think about the guy. You think it's okay for a guy to write a fake article in the New York Times because article. everything good happened to him after that. You think it's okay for the that Sex Pistols the... to be a f- bunch of phonies because of the inspiration. John, they play their instruments. Don't you know anything they... about destiny and why you, no. why things happen? Why I know you do something things? about being uh, having a baseline of truth to begin from and being honest they with They have some pretty good baselines. <laughs> no, they don't. <laughs> terrible. <laughs> Question number five. They're all morons. That's why you think Green Day is punk rock. No, I don't. I just think it's something for people of a certain age. Mm. Well, John, <laughs> without Sex Pistols, you have no Green Day. Good. <laughs> you'd have Fantastic. No, you'd have no risk-reward, sir. Uh, I think we'll be fine. No, you wouldn't. Go ahead, Ryan. Music as you know it would not exist. So some other band will be in there and something else will happen. Yeah, Who we'd, cares? We'd be wearing powdered wigs and listening to... <laughs> Listen to the upper crust. The upper crust. Minuets. <laughs> Question number five. Pass the butter, sir. I was never interested in being a rock star. I always want to, to be Boris, Boris Karloff. Oh, my God. <laughs> Sorry, I just saw that as I was going through it. Is it... <laughs> Anybody want to guess? I never want. I've never interested in being a rock star. Was it the lead singer of The Damned? I always wanted to be Boris Karloff. I picked up the guitar and nothing happened. My nails were too long to play the string. Is it? Play the string. (laughs) Tune your strings. Is it Dio? My favorite song is (laughs) If You Want Blood. You got it by ACDC. <laughs> Wait, what are the choices? They are from this Australia. A bad moon rising. <laughs> Trans-Australia. <laughs> Malcolm Young. I am forever young. Never to die. My or God, get dementia and quit the band. Of ACDC. Let me hear those choices. Starring Angus Young. His name sounds like beef. Once in a while, I got desperate in the woods in Maine and <laughs> ate a cow for the blood instead of a human being. How do you like your steak, Dracula? I broke into many cabins. <laughs> Fresh. <laughs> Just wipe its ass and put it on the table. That was Irish. <laughs> I'm not a fan of Henry David Thoreau. I live in the, by myself in the woods with a hot plate and never make fire because That's it crazy. takes wood, sharp wood, which may injure me. <laughs> I, I, I wrap myself in seven coffins. <laughs> so our choices are... I walked and I walked I the perimeter. Enjoy the radio. <laughs> I believe you said Dio. Ah, what are the choices? I love him. He's evil. <laughs> I lost the impression. Uh, Dio, Ronnie James of the type of the type, I believe. Right. Uh, Rob Halford. <laughs> yeah. Charlie Watts. He was that can't be it because he never actually said anything yeah. in twenty seven uh, years. In twenty seven years, Charlie Watts never said a word to the other Rolling right. Stones. He lived in his bass drum. <laughs> <laughs> he stole food out of Mick Jagger's trailer. Right, mini fridge. <laughs> he only likes Diodarios. I leave Diodarios on the bus van. I'm more of a jazz man myself. I don't know what I'm doing here. These guys are idiots. Or Gene Simmons. Ah. Uh. That's tough. 
That's tough. I don't know. I don't know what's happening. B. It's <laughs> <laughs> Rob Halford. I pick D for Dracula, <laughs> which is my name. I'm going to go with Dio. <laughs> D. <laughs> Mario? Uh... Is it Gene Simmons? Yes, Mario. You oh. win. Yeah, Mario. You win the round. I know, because I'm Vince Vincent. Oh. Vinny Vincent. What's my name? You don't even get that right. Vinny Vincent. Vince Vincent. Wasn't he in uh, <laughs> I The Color news. of Money? <laughs> I took over for yeah, Ace Freely. Is this Vince Vincent? Eyewitness <laughs> News. I'm, this, my name is Vince Vincent, and this one's called Dr. Feelgood. Is everybody ready? <laughs> Oh, no. the Vince. hippies! The hippies wanted peace and love. We wanted blondes, Ferraris, and switchblades. Wow! Peace and blood. Yes. Angels. Oh, love. Sorry. Is that the Nuge? <laughs> and that's the Nuge. Is that Sebastian <laughs> Bach? Uh, who, uh, who? That's the loving spoonful. This is Bach, believe it or not. I Paul, swear to God. Paul Stanley, or Alice Cooper. Alice Cooper. Mm-hmm. I'm gonna go with Alice Cooper. Quickly, what was the quote one more time? Uh, the hippies wanted peace and love. We wanted blondes, Ferraris, and switchblades. Oh. Alice Cooper. Alice Cooper, Alice Cooper. He reminds me of my friend Alistair Crowley. <laughs> Good friend of mine. Mario? I'm going to have to disagree, Chip. I'll take my memory stick is overloading. <laughs> I'll take Ted Nugent. Well, you're wrong. <laughs> uh, Alice Cooper is correct. Yeah, yeah. hanging with Mr. Cooper right here. I'm just uh, trying to get the points. I can tell. Number seven. It's all fun and games till someone loses an eye. Then it's just fun for what? Then it's just fun you can't see. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> I got it. Uh, is, would that be uh, handsome Dick Manitoba? Ah, my uh, favorite guy. Uh, James Hetfield. Yeah. D. Snyder. Mm. Or Dave Mustaine. Uh, I'll go with Mustaine. I'll go with D. Snyder. I also like D. Snyder. Snyder. Nobody gets this oh one. Chat box. Chat box. I can't see anything right here. It's got to be handsome. Dick. Uh, Nobody answering. I Hetfield. Think Hetfield. James, ah, James Hetfield. Good, good question. Or Metallica. <laughs> Number eight. I like music that's more offensive. I like I like it to sound like nails on a blackboard. Get me wild. Is that Iggy Pop, David Bowie, Brian Eno, or Lou Reed? Hmm. Iggy Pop, David Bowie, Brian Eno, or Lou Reed? I go with Lou Reed. I go with Iggy Pop. That's a good guess. Mario. Damn, I won't change my answer. I also like Iggy. Iggy Pop is correct. Ah. Where's the gap, Tommy? Two more questions. Mario, what's the score? John has three. I can't turn this track. And me and Tommy have two each. I have three. And the chat box is right behind us. Three. Three generations. <laughs> three, correct. My Dracula is off tonight. Well, that works out because we have three minutes in the show left. So That's perfect. right. Oh, okay. Uh, they credited us with the birth of that sort of heavy metal thing. Uh, well, if that's the case, there should be an immediate abortion. <laughs> Ooh. Was that Roy Wood? From Wally World? Bill Ward. Out of the way, Roy Wood. <laughs> Richie Blackmore or Ginger Baker? Uh, I'll say Ginger Baker is such a prick. I think that's a pricky thing to say. Yeah. I was going to say a member of Black Sabbath or something, but those guys aren't pricks. Uh, Ginger Baker is a pricky thing to say. He's a dick. Mario? What's the quote? Uh, oh, God. 
Two minutes, Mark. They Less. said they said uh, we invented uh, heavy metal. Then uh, come on, blah blah blah. There should be an abortion. Pick a letter. Richie Blackmore of Rainbow. All right. And what's B? B is Bill Ward. I'm gonna go with him. Ginger Baker. Uh-huh. Run away now at this point. Sean has the win. I'm the we winner. Oh, I want to hear the last question. Last Do you question. want the last yes. one? All right. Just for. Uh, as fast as you can go. Uh, just because we are wearing lipstick doesn't mean we can't kick your ass. Is that David Johansson? Tommy Lee, East Freely, Joan Jett, or Johnny Thunders? Tommy Lee. Johnny Thunders. Uh, I'm, I'm going to choose Ginger Baker. Those are my two choices. I'm going to say Tommy Lee. He's a redhead. Johnny Thunders. All right. Once again, you're wrong. Uh, I'm right, yeah. right? Tommy Lee. Yeah. I'm right again. I'm right again. Job, I'm always guys. right. I win the Ryan game. John Houlihan. Thank you, Ryan. The Ryan game. I'll take second place. Thank you. Good job for you, my friend. Best around all around My glass around is empty, guys. Let's go to Arby's. It's on me. Yeah. All right. Let's do it. And uh, thank you, everyone, for joining us live from the project here on www.radionope.com every week at Friday, 8 p.m. Eastern. Thank you to our author, Michael Finkel, who joined us this evening, and yes. everyone in the chat yes. box, and everyone else. And and tune in uh, next week for Steve. Myers. What's the title of that book? I don't want to bastardize it. Um, it's called The Stranger in the Woods. Go to michaelfinkel.com and uh, go to Amazon, go to buy. Go to your local book, independent bookstore. He likes that. Michael Finkel. Well, thank you <laughs> all. Michael Finkel. Good job, everybody. Thank you, Tommy. Thank you, Mario. Thank you, Ryan. And we'll be back next week. We'll see you then. Yeah. Yeah. Buenas noches. What? All right. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Tune in next week for Steve Gadd. Thank you. Top Dollar Hour by Tunican Jones in 90 minutes. Stay tuned. Thank you.